Hello and welcome to YFS Radio. Today's interview sees Adam Binney chatting to Cy Ferry about his career as a professional footballer and his new role in the world of football media. Cy reflects on his time at Celtic, Swindon, Portsmouth, Dundee and Peterhead as well as becoming the host of Open Goal, a popular online football show and podcast. Without any further ado, here's Adam. Hello and welcome to Youth Football Scotland TV. I'm your host, Adam Binney, and today we are joined by the king of interviews himself, Mr Simon Ferry. How are we doing, Si? I'm good, mate. It was my wee boy's birthday yesterday, so I do a wee bit of a late night, as you can probably see. <laughs> uh, nah, good. Yeah, happy birthday, I'm How old are you? He's uh, six. Six years. Uh, nearly as big as you, then, eh? Yeah, hey, he's got no so, personality. <laughs> Uh, it'll grow into it. Anyway, for those that don't know, uh, Sai is a professional footballer who has played for Celtic, uh, Swindon, Portsmouth, Dundee, and is now currently at Peterhead. He is now also the host of Open Goal, a popular online football show um, and a podcast. Now, Sai, I'm meant to ask here how you've um, been keeping busy during lockdown. But it's obvious that you've been one of the, the busiest men in Scotland at the minute. So can you tell us exactly what it is you, you and the guys at Open Goal have been doing during lockdown? Uh, so basically, mate, just trying to get as many kind of big names as we can for down south, especially just because when the lockdown's known, it's hard to get down there. Uh, obviously, as you say, I'm still playing. Uh, I was coaching as well. Um, so for us to get down south and day four or five boys, it would take two or three days to do it and just kind of have not got that time to do it. So just with the Zoom calls and, and what you're doing, um, it's been great for us. Uh, we've messaged a lot of guys and they've, they've came on. So they sort of names you wouldn't be able to usually get. So to get them on has been right. really good. Like Ollie McBurney, Charlie Austin, Matt Ritchie, guys like that. Um, and then obviously we did a podcast once a week with Kev and, and Slaney. We've got Kenny McLean coming on. He, he was on the other day. Oh, aye, aye. So even again, Kenny, Premier League footballer, um, doing in Norwich would take us about twelve hours to drive down there. So aye, aye. I can just jump on this and day like that. It's been brilliant. Uh, standard of the stuff lately's been been brilliant, and uh, I can already see that the podcast been a lot more popular recently as well. I think you'd agree, especially since lockdown, you have definitely blossomed through that. Anything spent with the family at all? Was it just all podcasts? No, no, no. So I've got two wee boys, mate. So aye. I make a couple of hours every day for them at the back. Uh, <laughs> And doing it on their bike or something, but um, the podcast it only meant to be for about an hour, mate. But when Slaney's on, they're usually going for about two hours, we end up we <laughs> cut half of it out, so it does take up a lot of time. Man. Like, I had tubes on for Soccer M as well. Tubes oh, came yeah. on, so tubes will be out on Tuesday. So, oh, um, brilliant, mate, brilliant. Uh, so now that like it, it breaks your day up, do you know what I mean? Like, you're doing two podcasts a day, it's four hours, usually about four hours, so it kind of flies in. A uh, full time job, it is now. I know, mate, I know. Right, on to the football, so what are your earliest memories of the game? When do you, when do you start playing and who for? So my earliest memories is I've got a big brother who's two years older than me. Ah. Uh, and uh, he had, we lived in a street and three boys in my street were tremendous players, man. Like Chris Glennie, the boy's name was, a guy Kevin Swain was really good. And my other mate Kyle Hutchison, and my brother was a good player as well. So right. I was playing the street with them. Uh, as I say, they were two years, used to blitter me, man. Absolutely blitter me a bit. Up in so, your pie. Toughen us up, mate. Then just got to the stage. I was kind of the best player in the street, even though I was two years <laughs> younger than everyone else. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then Celtic. It was an old guy in um, 
Dundee called Sean Smith. He was 88 year old. He was a scout for Celtic in Dundee. 88? Um, 88 he was, mate. Honestly. And he took all the coaching, and he took us for training. He used to stand on his head. We, there, was a big, there was a big hill at Lockheed Park in Dundee. And uh, part of our warm-up was, he says it strengthens your neck muscles. We used to stand with our head against the hill and put your hands behind the back. Anyone driving past me must have thought, what's going on up there, man? But um, he was a great guy. All his training was about being technically good. Everything was with the ball. Uh, guys like Ross Wallace, Charlie Adam, Mark Fotheringham, Michael Gardine. Uh, and they, again, they were a lot older than me. And again, same as before, they absolutely used to blitter you. So it's a great upbringing I had, mate. And um, got a lot to thank all them for. So was that was that like a kind of specialist group that you had up in Dundee? Did you when you first were scouted by Celtic? Did you not go straight down to Glasgow, now? Nah, so what happened? I played for Dundee Celtic boys. Just a local. Oh, right, aye, aye, aye. But that wasn't like a feeder club or that. Like old Sean would go around every all the games on a on a Sunday. Everyone knew who he was, mate. You were desperate to impress him. Like if you seen him standing at the side of the pitch, you'd be running about like a madman. Aye, uh, aye. One day, uh, one day, after, one day, he approached my dad and says. Would say fancy coming in with Celtic, so you had to go in, in with him for about a month until he thought you were good enough to go through to Glasgow. Like he was um, last on, never sending anyone through to Glasgow that he didn't think was ready because he had such a good reputation in there. So he would never send you through until you thought you were good enough. So after about four weeks, he says, "Right, you're going to go into Celtic now for a, a basically a trial, mate." So I drove through to Glasgow, done really well, obviously, and then kind of just went for there. So how old were you when when that happened? I was. Uh, I was 11 when I first went, maybe 11. 10, 11 when I first went wow. through Glasgow, mate. So, amazing, mate, like, get the train through, Celtic would pay it, and uh, somebody would wow. meet you on their end, you'd go and play, and then play on a Sunday, and then get the train back to Dundee. Did anyone go down with you? Was it a group, or was it just yourself? And your... well, it would be Michael Gardine and Ross Wallace, and all. I would jump Aye. on the train with them, and like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. I was four years younger than them, mate, so I was like, wow. I was like the guy that got, I had to do everything, mate, do you know what I mean? Go and get Aye. Aye. Do that, but then, a scout would meet us at Glasgow Central and uh, or like four scouts. One would take Wallace to the under-16 game, one would take Midge to the under-14 game and then one would take me and a couple of other boys to the under-12 under game. And then you'd play and then you'd all meet again at Central Station to get the train back. So it was a great laugh, mate. Eh? Aye. No, that's brilliant, going, aye. Going down to Glasgow for the weekend, getting a laugh. Hunters are sweeties, Hunters are Chris. So I used to love it. <laughs> so when was it that you moved down to Glasgow? I heard you've talked about uh, being in digs and stuff. Was was it a time you had to move down permanently when you were older? So I I, I played a year above myself. At yep. I played the year up. So all the boys went in it. They were sixteen when they went, and I was fifteen. Uh, but luckily, I would I'd started school a year earlier as well. So as soon as I'd done my standard grades, uh, straight through to Glasgow, we actually played Dundee. Uh, at uh, where was it? Keir Park or something? And I remember I was leaving Dundee for good to go to Glasgow through back on the bus with the boys. Aye. And uh, my mum standing at the side of the bus greeting in tears. It's an hour up the road, do you know what I mean? And then all, all my boys on the bus are pure laughing at her. <laughs> so it's through to Glasgow, and it, mate, of all the places, got put in uh, digs in Airdrie. Airdrie? Oh. How's your, how's your luck, man? Some boys got bears then, and like, I got Airdrie, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, my big, uh, I think because I was quite a lively kid, uh, Tommy Burns put us in my big um, big geek, big Sandy Wood. He was famous, so he was a big goalie, mate. But what a oh. guy. He used to say every night we'd get potatoes, like the food was terrible on the day. And every night he'd go, oh, sorry, man, these potatoes are like snooker balls. <laughs> mate, we used to fling every night, we used to sit at the back door. And it was like a conservatory door. And we'd sit there, obviously, with our dinner. And the digs lady and the guy would be in the living room. So they couldn't really see us unless they 
I'm ready to look at us every night to do I would get like my chick, better chicken mate and just launch it with the back end for the house and then we'd get the potatoes and we'd just launch them and then we'd go upstairs phone a 12 inch pizza and we'd say to the guy dinner dinner chat the door because just, leave it outside. just leave it outside and we'd go every night mate it was like a pure mission to go and get that pizza without them them finding it but I used to block the toilet at the time mate <laughs> <laughs> they hated me mate the digs the two digs hated me and she was an older lady mate and I used to we used to sit in the room and uh when I knew I'd blocked the toilet, I'd run into sand there, but I'd blocked that. Mate, it was honestly, mate, two bits of toilet on, it was blocked, man, for some reason. And we used to wait on her coming up the stairs, and without doubt, without fail, every time she would shout back, she would shout downstairs, Dave, he, he's done it again! <laughs> <laughs> so, I was only there for like a year, mate, and I got pally with, you know, Scott Fox, who's a uh, back thistle keeper. Oh, aye, the goalie, aye, aye. So, I, I would say, I used to go to Foxy so every night, man, because he was just along the road and Paul McGowan would come as well. Mm. And I'd be like, I need to get out of the digs. So, I went and stayed with Foxy after that. His family took me in, gave us a room, and uh, I just paid them digs every every month. Brilliant. So, sounds like you speak very fondly of your, your time um, at Celtic. So, overall, did you enjoy playing in an academy setup? I know you've played, obviously, grassroots with Dundee Celtic and then moved on to Academy Celtic with Celtic. Did you, did you enjoy that? And do you think academies have changed at all since you were there? Loved it, mate, honestly. <clears throat> Best days of my life, eh? Aye. One of the kids that I coach at Celtic now, like, make the most of it, man, because, see, when you're at a big club, mate, it's the best, like, how you're looked after, coaches you've got there, the older players that you can learn off of. Um, and not just that, see, at Celtic, mate, it wasn't about, like, getting taught about football, eh? Like, you got taught about how to be a guy and a good person and how you live your life. Right. Tommy, Tommy Burns was massive on you being a good good person. Like, if he ever seen you walking by, like, a cleaner or a cook at Celtic Park and no say hi to them, he would pull you in his office, man, and he would go through you. Wow. The people at the bottom, he's like, the cleaners, the cooks, just as important as me and the manager. It was, it was brilliant, mate, and, like, all my group of pals, now we still speak, we've still got a group chat, Aidan, Charlie, Jim O'Brien, Rocco, Dean Richardson, Ryan Conroy, we've all still got a group chat, mate, and we're all kind of similar people, and it's all through our, our up thing, so great, loved it. And do you think, um, do you think that's changed at all, not just Celtic specifically, but academies in general, do you think it's changed from, from your days? I do, mate, I think, I think coaches now think that coaching, as I say, is all about being on the grass and showing boys drills and do this, do that when the boys here. And that's not what coaching's about, mate. These kids are at Celtic for a reason. They're good players. Aye, aye. They need to make their own decisions and they need to mind up. As I say, the way that you become a good coach for me is connecting with kids on a level so that whatever you tell them, mate, they'll take it as, as, as gospel. Um, and I don't know if coaches still have got that relationship with kids. It's hard for me to say, mate, because I'm not in there and I didn't really see it. But just when I see young kids now, it's like they've not got that enthusiasm to speak to people. It's aye. quite head down and hopefully nobody will talk to us so I would say that was a difference you know, I think coaching now is all about what happens on the pitch and put these presentations on that kids look at on their computer and that. just talk to them face to face why are you sending them on a computer just go and pull them aside and, and talk them through what you're on um, so that would be the main difference for me like the amount of the amount of coaches in it say, like when I was younger who took a proper interest in your life was, was unbelievable eh? So you talk about having big influences there and people that uh, had a big impact in your life at Celtic. Um, who were the people in particular as you edged closer to the first team, players and staff, um, that had a big influence on your career and in your life? Oh, Tommy Burns is massive for me, mate. Oh, I right. loved him. Um, 
remember when I, I first got taken away with the first team to Poland, I think it was 17. I, I, Tommy got, the only reason I trained with the first team was because Tommy, like, I was 17 when I first started training with the first team. Gave us a new four and a half year deal. I think it was on my 18th birthday. I'd, I'd signed a, a three year deal on my, at 16, obviously, and then. Uh-huh. Well, in fact, it was my 17th birthday. It was only there a year, and he gave me a brand new four and a half year contract. Wow. Um, so just even him showing, giving me that, made me think, wow, Tommy Burns must think I'm a player. Training with the first team, and I never forget it, man. We went away to po- uh, Poland with the first team, 17. I, pl- I came on. That's right, I came on a game, and I'd done really well. The last 20 minutes, I think it was. And uh, Gordon Strachan was buzzing off us, and I, we got we, we flew back to the airport after the game, and I was getting a taxi back to my digs, and he phoned Tommy, phoned us, like I just left him. He's like, ah, "This is it, this is it for us, kid. This is the year. Me and you, well, you'll date this year." And uh, and then obviously I, I yeah. smashed my ankle, mate, and uh, ended up being out for two and a half years with it. So, in the day, That's obviously. Um, in your youth career, one of the highlights has to be reaching the, the final of the under-19s Euros in 2006. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the journey to that final? Mate, again, that was a great group of boys, eh? It was, uh, it was, uh, we had we had six Celtic boys in it. Again, that, I was playing a year above myself, mate, for that Scotland team. The other boys were in your own. Oh, really? So just to get in the squad, mate, I was absolutely delighted, eh? Because there was, like, Dorans, I played ahead of Dorans in it, and Dorans was... Wow! Wow! I used to think like, why are they, why are they putting it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, just as I say, it was all boys that were based similar backgrounds uh, and good players as well. Mate, we had like Snoddy, Fletch. Fletch was outstanding. Eh? Like Fletch was unbelievable. Um, who else was there? I'm trying to think. Lee Wallace, mate. What a player! What Hi. a player! And it was just constant. I was just a constant carry on, mate. Eh? A constant carry on. Nay nerves, we used to look forward to playing any team, man. Like, we, we, to, get to, to get to Poland, sorry, we beat France by Benzema and Nazareth up front. Beat them 1 0. Between us and them, who we qualified. I remember Archie Gemmel was, was brilliant, man. Like, no good, on, no great coaching wise, as in like Pep Guardiola, but like, hey. see, to get you up to the Scotland game, mate, Archie Gemmel was the man. Sometimes we used to, we had a joke that. Sometimes you'd look over me and he'd be standing with his hands in his shorts. <laughs> that was just the kind of guy he was, eh? But then he'd say like one thing and you'd think, wow, that's brilliant, man. Because you could obviously tell he played at the top level. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was brilliant at setting us up against teams, mate. Like, obviously Spain and uh, who else were there? Turkey, they had some great technical players. I think Turan played for Turkey. Wow. Um, and we would kind of sit in and be hard to beat and then get the ball up to Fletch and then we'd all just run up and hopefully, like, our good players like Snoddy would create a bit of magic, but so well set up, like to be that well drilled at 17, like Archie Gemmel was really, Tommy Olsen, who was at Ranger as well, was a coach, he was brilliant for us as well, but just the personality in that group, man, like Warriors, man, as kids, and uh, we used to fancy ourselves playing anyone. Spain beat us 5-0 in the, in the, Spain beat us 5-0 in the, in the groups. PK scored four headers for four fifth corners, four headers, mate, he was an animal, eh? And then completely changed how we were going to play in the final. We got beat 2-1, but we should have won it. I missed a sitter. I missed a sitter to make it 2 Couldn't have been a hero. Uh, I know, mate. I know. But, uh, nah, great times, honestly. And, like, see guys like Lee Wallace and, and Fletch. And people look at these guys, I think they're quite dour. But, honestly, see, like, Lee Wallace and that, mate, proper character when he was younger. Funny the guy. And he was kind of, I don't know why, because Lee Wallace is brilliant, but Archie Gemmell would kind of always pick on Lee Wallace. And Lee Wallace, like, <laughs> what for? I don't know, mate. We're not, we're not, <laughs> he used to shout for his room, Lee Wallace! <laughs> he was so laid back, man. What is it? 
so they two but uh, nah, great guys, and I'm delighted that they've all went on and done well because Aye. they flicked me. They were great players. So could you tell back then that we Wallace, Robert Snodgrass, Stephen Fletcher, all these boys? Could you tell that they were all going to go right to the top? Aye. I could tell that Fletcher would go to the top, man. Yeah. Like, Fletcher had everything. There was there was no weakness in Fletcher's game. He could run. He was um, great. He's the best in the air I've seen. Honestly, he's so good in the air. Like he's better. Tight. Better than PK's four headers from corners. Harry Kenneth was marking <laughs> PK that day. <laughs> Fletch took him. I think Fletch said, like, this is what I love about Fletch. Fletch is a proper, like, no arrogant. Yeah. So much faith in his ability. I think Fletch put his hand up and he's like, I'll take I'll take PK at corners in the final. I think PK got ahead of the whole, the whole game. But, um, like, Fletch had that confidence in himself. Mate. You could just tell. He, and he's I used to love playing when I was a centre midfielder. There's so many times the ball goes up to a centre forward. You run off them and they want to take that extra touch and they want to try a wee flick. Every time the ball would go up to Fletch, I'd run off them, bang, straight in my path, get it wide and we get the ball in the box. But that's the thing with Fletch, like, and I tell young kids this now, I see young kids that play up front and they're obsessed, even boys at first team level, Peter Head and guys like that, they're obsessed with doing tricks and flicks. And I see, see the best players like Fletch, just set the ball, ball would go wide and he'd get in the box and he'd score a goal. He did the simple things very well, mate. Lee Wallace was the same. Pass the ball and he'd run around his fullback and he'd go up and down all day. And it was nothing nothing outstanding, but not once was there a misplaced pass or not once was there a miss a tackle. Do you know what I mean? It was like these simple things that they guys done well. Snoddy was different because Snoddy, your typical player that he is, could have stinkers, man, and you'd think, wow, Snoddy, what a nightmare. And the next game, he'd be unbelievable. But he was just that kind of guy because he would try these things. But again, as young Scottish players, we were never, ever told Stop trying that. Stop trying that hard pass. It was make your own decisions, and if the majority of them are bad, then you'll no play, and the majority of them are good, you'll play. And that was it, mate. There was no, don't. I hate now, mate, when I hear stand on the side and I hear coaches, coaches shouting, pass, pass, pass. Why? Pass if it's not a pass. If it's not, then run it. Um, so there was none of that, like, Archie game will never ever give you, try to talk you through the game. It was going to make your own mind up, and, and obviously, good players at work. I mean, he's obviously done done brilliant. A lot of those boys have went on to have brilliant careers. So when you came back from that trip, you rejoined with uh, the reserves at Celtic. Did you think it was now time for you to push on to the first team at all? That was it, mate. So we were all coming back thinking you'll be in the first team. Aye. And uh, I think Gordon Strachan came out with an article. Was like, or I think he pulled this in. He's like, amazing what you've done, but doesn't mean anything to me. Like, <laughs> no, but he was right, mate. Like he had guys like Neil Lennon, Petrov. Top players, mate. So, but like I said about my ankle and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, mate, I wasn't good enough to get by guys like that. They were they were top class players at the time. I say like, yeah, when you were training against them, mate, you couldn't get a kick here. Like, I think Petrov was only maybe four year older than me. Maybe a wee bit old. I don't know what age uh, Petrov was, but in terms of his physique and he was a man, mate. Like, like, great player, great player. Play against Petrov and training, mate. He would run over the top of me. So. Uh, and then then Petrov leaves and you I think I started getting on the bench and stuff like that and then certainly go and sign Roy Keane mate and you're back to having no time to play so what can you do mate? Just the way, that, the way the club was at that time mate, they were still signing very good players so yeah. very tough you have to be exceptional like I always say McGeady was exceptional Maloney was exceptional and that, that's why they went and done it mate. none of them were being lucky or going out too much it was that they, they were exceptional and that's what you had to be to get in that team You mentioned that Roy Keane came in Came in there. What, what was he like for the young boys? He must have had some some brilliant stories for his. You know what, mate? He was he was ruthless. Like, he, yeah. he was proper. proper he was 
uh, what that would be everyone. Um, you know, if, if one of the one of the like proper established first team players who would never usually got a word said to them, like Roy Keane would be on them all the time. Uh, he was obsessed. He was obsessed with me as a centre midfielder passing the ball forward. Eh? He was obsessed. Like if he did, if there was a chance to pass it forward and you passed it sideways or backwards, he would, he would stop. Like he would stop. He'd be like, "Why are you doing that? You're a young kid. Pass the ball forward." And he was great at me. Like see, training wise, I don't think I'd seen him give the ball away in training for the full year that he was there. Uh, and one day we sat us up at the gym. I think it was me, Aidan, Mikey McGlinchey, a couple of boys that had been with the first team, and um, sat and told us all the story. So man, you're that. He was totally spot on. Oh, brilliant. Actually, brilliant. trained Christmas Day, and we don't. I remember we trained Christmas Day. It was me and Mickey McGlinchey who were like, we were always like the 19th and 20th men, so we were always in the stand. Yeah. And this was at the time I think Roy had been playing, so it was all the boys that, because he, he, he took a while to get in, and uh, we done a three, we done three teams of three with the nine boys that hadn't been playing, and it was a three, just a tight possession, and Strachan, Gordon Strachan put Roy Keane on me and Mikey's team. So it was us three. I think I can't remember who the other two teams of three were, but mate, we actually done really well. And see, after it, he was like, ah, "Lads, tremendous! Like that was that was that's what it takes to be a player. That standard there." So he did he did take like a, a a nasty nasty side to him. But on the flip side, it's like, and I, I appreciate that, mate. Like if you're not doing well, he'd tell you, and if you've done well, he'd say, "Like good, that's a, that's a standard." So, nah, I I loved obviously my hero growing up, mate. So being able to watch him train every day was was brilliant. And another big influence for you, similar position, similar to Roy Keane, similar um, type of player, must have been Neil Lennon. But would I be right in saying he was your reserves manager at one point? Lenny was. Lenny was brilliant with me. I uh, loved him. Um, again, as a player, mate, he used to hammer me all the time. Mate. But he only done it because he wanted you to be a better player, mate, and he wanted you to get used to what it was going to be like if you were going to play in the set, like first team, that this this is how it's going to go down. If you give the ball away, we will we'll rip your head off, man. But then at the same time, I remember sometimes you'd train and he would slaughter you the full session and, and after training, you'd be like, ah, Lenny thinks I'm hopeless, man. And then you'd go up to Celtic Park to do the jobs and he'd be like, you, come here. And you'd go over and he'd put his hand on and you'd be like, what? what was that today? Like, you're a much better player than that. See that one that you done, you got that here? Like, why did you do that? Why did you not do that? And you think, then you think, he wants me to do well. Like. And I, that's what I mean about young players now. I don't know if first-team players do that with, with young players now. As I say, it's hard for me to say because I'm not in an academy as a coach, so I kind of see it. But like, see at Peterhead, the boys will probably think that I slaughter them all the time. But it's only because I want them to be better players than me. It's not it's no because I hate them or I think they're hopeless. Aye. If I thought they were hopeless, I wouldn't shout with them. I would just let them get on with it. You know what I mean? So... As I say, and I went to Swindon, mate, and it was Swindon. Other Swindon was one of the most ruthless dressing rooms ever. And the reason that I done well there, mate, is because I was I'd had that upbringing already, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a shock to me. I, I could deal with. It. Whereas other, I seen other kids come in put on loan, and they couldn't handle it, mate, because the boys were so hard on them. Um, so I thank them because see now in football, mate, anyway, or even this, like see when I'm doing the open goal stuff, people uh-huh. me, mate, and it doesn't bother me. Like I've had this since fifteen year old, so. Um, and it's due, due to them and again Lenny as a reserve manager was, was spot on with me he was, he was the one that says to me listen Si get out on loan like no good for you playing reserve football anymore go, go to Swindon go on loan and uh, and then he, I came back and he was the first team manager and uh, again he was, he was spot on with me Lenny honestly I don't know why but he just even now I still see him he, he sits and talks away for ages asks how you're getting on so uh, nah can I speak highly enough of him and could you tell back then that he was going to go on to be a Celtic legend as a, as a manager as well as being a player, right? 
hundred percent, mate. Like, see, you lost a reserve game, mate. It was like you'd just been beating the World Cup final. Eh? Wow. Like, wow. A reserve game's a friendly, really, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's like you go down and play like Blackburn and that, and see if you got beat, mate. You'd, you'd be in the dressing room for two hours, and he'd roast you, man. <laughs> mate, mate, it's not even that. Well, it's just he's uh, he's obsessed with winning, mate. Yeah. I don't think people realise how obsessed Lenny is with winning. I mean, a training game as well. See if the standard wasn't good enough, and a reserve training session, mate, he'd stop it and you would just run it. He'd stop the session. He's like, nah, not good enough. Get on the line, and you'd, you'd run. Do you think that's what? That's what top managers need. Do you think that they need that, especially in Scotland, that, that ruthless streak to go on and become serial winners? I think if you're going to be the Celtic manager, it's a must, isn't it? And it's the same as a Rangers manager then. And that's the thing as well now. If you're going to be at Celtic, when well, do you just get to the first team and switch on that winning mentality? You need to hit for your kid. Everything yeah. we've done with Tommy Burns was about winning there. We'd play with 3v3 games and the size of the 18-yard box. And it was a bit winning, mate. He wanted to, he wanted to see who was a winner, and they'd always make a big deal of the three that won. And um, even like anything with Tommy, it was it was always a competition. See, like a warm up with dribbling and a cones, it was a competition. Who's going to be the winning team? Who's going to win? Um, so again, as I say, the upbringing that I had for being a young kid, it was a bit winning to to being in the first team with them. It was a bit winning. So no, nah, a lot to thank that upbringing. As I say, the upbringing at Celtic. And now, one of your, it seems, your favourite players that you grew up playing with um, was Thomas Gravison, who signs for Celtic from Real Madrid um, in the same summer that you've got to the final of the Euros. And then within the last few months, he's playing in midfield beside you in the reserve team. Can you tell us some of your best memories of Tommy Gravison? Mate, I used to love, I used to love uh, away trips with Tommy, because I used to sit at the back of the bus with him and just pepper him with questions, man. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up, lad! <laughs> I can't get a minute with you, lad. And the, uh, mate, like that's what I'm saying. Tommy Gravison, right? And I remember times if you looked up the back of the bus, Tommy be wrestling with boys eh, on the back seat of the bus. He just grabs somebody, mate. Grab you. Come on, lad! You're coming with me, lad. Up the back of the bus, and he would just fling you about, man. <laughs> he goodness, still, mate. Eh? And um, the best. I used to love it, mate. But he used to do my nothing at times because, like. At times he could be too much, yeah. Like you'd be training the first team, mate, and you're obviously want to impress Gordon Strachan, mate. And yeah. the game's going on, and you're running, mate, and he just grabs you by the throat while the game's going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not going anywhere, lad. <laughs> I'm like, Tommy, man, you're going to get me put back into the reserves. Um, but, mate, honestly, what a good guy. He's another one as well, mate. He would slaughter me all the time, mate. Like, I couldn't, I can't moan, mate. Like, I could be a bit of a moan. And uh, every time, every time I moaned, if you don't, if you're not happy, Simon, go working sales, please, lad. You don't need to be here. <laughs> he was so funny, mate. But what a player, honestly. What a player. And what a good guy as well, mate. Like, see the young boys. Honestly, like, if you were sitting next to a first-team player, mate, he would treat you no differently. Like, if it was me sitting there and, let's say, Lenny or somebody sitting there, mate, it would be complete, complete same. He was right. spot on young boys, honestly. Like, proper nice guy. Could ask him any, and he would tell you like the truth. He loved Fat Ronaldo. Eh? Fat Ronaldo was his best. Oh really? To see when you ever get bo body fats, he'd always he'd be like, "Why are we doing body fats? Ronaldo's the best player in the world, and he's fat." The <laughs> <laughs> thing, lad. <laughs> did, you, did you play with him at um, Real Madrid? Yeah, he played with the Galacticos. Oh, really? so oh. Wow. 
You need to go and put the video on uh, with Zidane on YouTube, mate, when he's screaming, Zizou, at Zidane. <laughs> Look at him, Matt, who is this guy? <laughs> he, was, uh, he came to Ireland and all that, mate. He was on, like, on massive, but he didn't need to come. He asked to come on the reserve trip. Two weeks, mate, in Ireland. Like, any other person to play would be like, ah, absolutely not, man. Tommy loved it. Absolutely loved it. And he bounced about Ireland for two weeks. <laughs> and he used to just, he used to play centre middle, man. He would just go and stand out on the left wing, man. He'd get the ball in the court, like thinking he's going to be like ten yards away to pass him. He was just looking, just have his hand up. Like, What's he doing over there? <laughs> but he was. Um, she had ten. He's the best head tennis player I've ever seen in my life. Really? He used to overhead kick it and he used to overhead kick it and uh, uh, head tennis. So you'd kick the, you'd set the ball for him. You think he was going to head it and he would just go overhead kick. Bang in every time, like ridiculous player. Kelly and Sheridan told the story. He used to do that to boys all the time as well. He would yeah. like leather the ball off you for two yards, shooting at Kelly. And you need iron, lad. You need iron. <laughs> <laughs> and the hero, mate, honestly, total hero. Ah, it sounds brilliant. Just like, just like one one of the kids, uh, one of the boys. But um, fortunately, it wasn't all um, playing sailing and your time um, as a youth player. You mentioned that you missed was it two and a half years because of the. The ankle injury, how, how tough mentally was it? Did you wear that at such a young age as well? Horrible, mate. Like, there was a couple of times in that where like, surgeons and that said, like, you'll probably not play football again. Like, and it was... I'd been flat at that time as well, mate, which is probably the worst thing oh, ever. I back to a flat and I was... Yeah. And then um, I told you a story hundreds of times. Like, I went to a surgeon and um, he said, if this operation doesn't work, then you'll, um, you'll be done. That'll be you finished. And uh, told Tommy, obviously, and... Tommy's like, you're right, and I was saying, uh, I'm fine, but my mum was a wreck, man, she was great, and so, got him at night, my mum phoned us and says, Tommy Burns phoned my work today and said that, um, obviously, it's, whatever happens, I'll, you'll sort us out, so, it was tough, mate, really tough, uh, living away from home, you know, you're not going to help your brother and your mum and yeah. dad, you're going back to a flat, but, um, he like Gordon Strachan, that, mate, he was brilliant with me, I used to sit in the gym every day and look out onto the training pitch and sit and ride a bike for hours on end, man. He'd come and sit next to me on the bike and he'd be like, don't worry, man, you'll be fine in life. Like, your your personality will get you through it. Um, and even, like, I, I remember being out for ages and I'd been training with the reserves, like, a week. And uh, I think it was Lenny who was the manager, reserve manager. And Lenny's like, ah, uh, the gaffer's wanting you to go and train with the first team with you. And I was like, what? And then I went and trained with the first team and... Uh, Done quite well, I think. And in his press conference that day, he was like, I think it, I think it was Massimo Donati that had been complaining about no getting enough game time or something. And oh, right. done a full press conference and like, Massimo Donati's got complaints. He should look at Simon Ferry, who's been it for two years. Came in the day and training and he's been outstanding. So because of that, he'll be in the squad for the weekend. But I'd only been training like a week after being out for so long. And he put me in the first team squad at the weekend. So I don't think, as I say, I think, uh, Paul McGowan's told a story Kelly's told a story about him and I think I was there because I was, I'd done really well to be honest mate I think he'd done it to give, him a, to give us a boost and um, he didn't, people didn't see that side of Gordon Hill he would never hold his hands up and say that's why i done it but just the wee things like he was he was spot on with me and uh, you mentioned um, Gordon Strachan and Tommy Burns being massive uh, influences when you were, when you were injured when you recovered from that injury, you mentioned that you were back in the first team squad. How much of a taste of first team action did you get in and amongst that squad before you went on loan to Swindon? So, uh, was it just before, um, who was it, Mowbray came in, didn't it? So it was striking before Mowbray. Um, I was on the bench quite a lot, uh, and I used to, please put me on, man. <laughs> uh, 
We were beating Dunfermline. I was on the bench, uh, I think it was my first time on the bench, actually. Lenny scored, didn't he? Beat Dunfermline 8-0. Uh, and I was thinking, surely I'm going on, man. <laughs> the problem was, mate, like, so on the bench with me, it was like Stephen Pearson. I think Zaraski was on the bench. Like, it was good players, mate, like, and they, and Strachan came out in the press after, and I think he had a meeting in the dressing room, he's like, ah, like, you didn't deserve to play. Like, if you'd been doing better than what Stephen Pearson had in training, you'd have got on. And it was right, you know, he was right, mate, eh? like, if he'd have put me on, it wouldn't have been justified, so... Absolutely spot on, and again, that's part of your, up, your upbringing, mate. That he's so honest with you, and, and you get there on merit. It's not through just because people in the press want to see a young Scottish kid come on and play. It's like you've got to, you've got to earn it. So, uh, on the bench, uh, a lot of times, which was amazing because you get the win bonus, mate. Which, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never goals like that. See, when Celtic used to score, me, I used to go off man up, man. You, know, <laughs> you know, you were getting a uh, win bonus. I was actually in the me and Mikey McGlinchey were the 19th and 20th men at Tynecastle. It was just before Christmas, I think it was. And we were two doing, man, and we were pure banking on that. I think it was 600 quid you got for sitting in the stand. I know, okay, it's scary, isn't it? And we were, mate, we were banking on that before the game. We were like, ah, 600 quid just before Christmas, man. We oh, were getting dad presents, mate. And yeah. say, like, we're two doing at half time. Me and Mikey were in the stand like that. Devastated, man. And say, like, came back, right, to two each. And we were like, ah, please score, please score. <laughs> I think it was like five minutes to go and Mikey's like, ah, we're not scoring, man. Let's just go on. So five minutes just so we can... Because we, we used to love getting in the dressing room to hear what the manager and that said. Um, and uh, Sally scored on the telly in the Hearts Players Lounge. And I would have loved to, to have seen what me and Mikey looked like to the Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping up and down, mate. And they gave us the dirtiest look ever. But just knowing you were getting that win bonus, mate, was, was unbelievable. And then after then... The fun starts, you get the, the loan move to, to Swindon Town. Uh, how did the move to Swindon come about? So, the move came about because uh, Tony Mowbray thought I was a bit of a, a clown, which I probably wasn't, mate. Again, he's, man, he's manager. <laughs> um, and the, I remember we played, went to Australia for a pre-season game. And I think before the game, I was like having a laugh and a joke. Like, when you when you think back, mate, what are you doing? Eh? Like, not even played a single appearance, but having a pure carry on before the game and he pulled me before the game and he's like are you always like this and I was like like what he's like <laughs> carry on and I was like and I was and he's like right, see when we get back to the thing you're going to need to go on loan because you need to like understand what first team football is about like it's not like laughing a joke it's yeah. it's, a, it's a serious business man and then uh, Peter Grant and Mark Venus were really good to me man they liked me so I think it was uh, either Vino or Peter Grant's mate was uh, the assistant manager at Swindon, Peter Shirtlift, who was a great guy, man, loved him. Right. And I got back to Australia and Mowbray pulled in the office and he went, you're going to Swindon tomorrow, uh, get your boots, get every note, you're going. And I had no choice, mate, eh? But, mate, see, getting a loan, a loan move to Swindon, and I was like, Swindon? Who's Swindon, man? Like, never heard of I was like, what league are they in? And he's like, man. he's like, why are you asking? Just, you're going, that's it. He says, luckily for you, because you can't drive, Ben Hutchison's going as well. And I was like, right, no worries, so... Me and Ben uh, drove down to Swindon. I was buzzing, mate. So buzzing, like couldn't wait to get done. And uh, Ben was like, "Ah, yeah." He's like, ah, "It's League One. We'll rip it up, man." We didn't realise how good these, the good the, the, the team was, mate. We got there on the first day, and I, was, and I remember thinking, "This is a decent team, like." And I done really well, mate. I had, I done really well the first two days in training. And Danny Wilson pulled me, who's another great guy. I loved him as a manager. 
pulled me on the Friday and he's like, he says, I wasn't going to play you Saturday. He says, but you've done that well, I'm going to put you in. Put us in, mate, and uh, got married at the match on my debut home to Southend. Wow. See, for that minute, mate, that is, that, when that, when that first whistle went on my debut for Swindon, within five minutes, I was like, ah, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to do really well here. I could just tell by the way the team played. I was playing next to a, a top player centre midfielder, Jonathan Douglas, who basically talked us through the full game, mate. Talked me through the whole game, like, nah, you're not wrong position, two, two yards over there. Yes, defense it. And he, mate, honestly, unbelievable guy. Uh, I played 12 cats for Republic of Ireland and uh, I was like I knew, I knew after that game I, I'm going to love it here and it was that was the best year of my life like the dressing room we had the night suit we had uh, the, um, the manager the assistant manager the staff were in Swindon winning every week it was we beat Leeds home, home and away mate 3-0 3-0 away battered them um, and uh, uh, just getting that taste of first team football mate absolutely loved it so you mentioned Jonathan uh, Douglas there. I was going to ask you, so who, who were the top players in Swindon that year? And were you actually surprised with the standard of player that was in League One at that time? I wasn't, mate. Honestly, you think League One like rubbish, but that year, mate, Southampton were in the league with Lallana, who was a joke. Oh, um, was that the team with uh, Lambert and all the rest of it as well, aye? Yeah, Lambert, what a team. Yeah. We, beat them, we beat them home and away as well. Beat Southampton home and away. Wow. Uh, so that tells you how good our team was. Like, we would beat, we'd beat uh, Norwich had... Um, Norwich had Grant Holt and Wes Hulahan up front. They were oh. brilliant, Norwich. Uh, but for us, mate, like, Gordon Greer was... Uh, and that's the thing that annoys me as well. People in Scotland probably think when they hear of Gordon Greer at Kelly and think, oh, he's probably no, no great. But honestly, right. mate, Gordon Greer, what a good football player, eh? Like, we used to play it for the back. Danny Wilson wanted us to play football, eh? Like, and Gordy would get the ball, mate, and he could ping the ball, like, 50 yards with his left foot, 50 yards with his right foot. Absolute warrior. Um, again, another one. If you weren't a Danit man, he would be on you constantly. But I love that, mate. I loved that. Like a proper old school centre half. Would elbow people in the face, would fight and training every day. And then Jonathan Douglas, who played next to me, uh, was, was really good. And then the spine of the team, mate, because up front had Charlie Austin, who was sensational. Man. A player, what a player. Total animal, mate. Like, see, see that, that spine of Gordon, Dougie, and Charlie, see the three of them, mate, animals, eh? Like, so dirty. See Charlie Austin, mate, people didn't realise he's one of the dirtiest players of us. He would bash people a bit, man. Um, JP McGovern played on the wing, very good. Danny Ward, who's now at Cardiff. Cupiani, is it, Wardy? Very good. Um, Scott Cuthbert done really well, came with me to set with a good goal in Dave Lucas. So Billy Painter up front as well. Total character, mate. And the dressing room is brilliant, mate. Honestly, every, everyone in that team, again, somewhat a set team on it, obviously, much lesser extent, but Proper winners, mate. Like they'd be fights all the time, fights every day. Argument, but then you'd be best pals and you'd go at night. So perfect blend it was. And the manager Danny Wilson, who managed in the Premier League with Sheffield Wednesday, remember the canio pushed her in. <laughs> that, that game. So he'd seen it all, oh, mate. He was, oh. he was a total, total top manager. Loved Danny Wilson. And um, that team very successful. We managed to get to the final of the playoffs that season, playing in front of seventy three thousand. Uh, Wembley, how did it feel to play in such a big game? I mean, everybody loves the playoffs. What was what was that like? The, the, two, the two semi-finals were, were the best, mate. Oh, really? So we beat Charlton 2-1 at home. 2-1 uh, at home. Uh, and then we went uh, Charlton away and uh, we were, were cruising, mate. I think the game's 0-0. And Big Gordy, as I say, he was a bit of a screwball, man. <laughs> All bounces up, mate. I, I'm, I'm, there's a picture that I'm standing two yards from, right? 
and I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. The ball bounced, right? And I went, he, he's going to boot him here. <laughs> and he, he's just, the bo- I, I don't know where the ball is actually, but he just went like that. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Burton, mate. Just boots him in the chest, man. I'm, and I'm looking, he's like that. <laughs> mate, see, we're going to be like 300 or something. I could understand it, but like, we're under no pressure. I don't, he's just totally lost his head, Gordy. So we went down to 10 men, early doors, man. It was a slog. I scored an own goal. Oh, I read about that. I heard that was a beauty. Do you know what, mate? All my mates are watching on telly and see when you score on <laughs> All that I could think of is my mates are going to be slaughtering me in the group chat right now, man. I, that was what was going through my head as I walked back to the, <laughs> to the circle. But like, that night, uh, Danny Ward and Charlie Austin played up front and they two were sensational. I think they got us a goal. JP done really well, actually, put uh, Danny Ward through. Uh, and we got, a, we got a goal. And then when they went to penalty, mate, we knew we'd beat them, eh, because... Just something about that year that we knew that we were going to get to the final. Man, Danny Wilson said it before the game. He says, "I'm not worried. Eh? We're, we're getting to the final here." He says, "It might not be pretty. Things might toss and turn, but we'll be in that final come after this game." And uh, the dressing room after it, mate, was unbelievable. Champagne. <laughs> I think we stayed at the Valley till about twelve o'clock at night. Honestly, we were just so high, mate. And because um, when they were tipped to go down that year, I think it was in four four two or something. They were the, the tip to go down, so. But the bad thing is about that, mate, see when you, you win the semi-final, you, you need to wait two weeks to the final, eh? Which kind of kills that, it. Is it as, as long as that, two weeks? Wow. Two weeks. So Danny, Wilson, Danny Wilson gave us like four days off, mate. I think every single one of us was steaming for four days. <laughs> <laughs> some, boys, some boys went to Marbella, mate. Like, how, what, what, what were we thinking? But um, the final was a pure... Millwall were kind of our bogey team, mate. Eh? We liked to get the ball down and play that year and Millwall total stifled us all the time. Like, they were... They were a living big men that just knew how to win. And uh, that Wembley final, as you're saying, mate, I, I never got nervous this Wednesday night. I used to, couldn't wait for a Saturday, mate, honestly. Hated, I hated Monday, Tuesday, and I hated it, man. And yeah. uh, just couldn't wait for a Saturday. Um, and that Wembley game was the only game that I've ever been nervous in. See, when you stand at Wembley, mate, and you can see the crowd and it's full, and the, the smoke, the fireworks are going the up. The fireworks through. at the start, yeah, yeah. They're roasting, by the way, honestly. <laughs> Uh, but seeing the tunnel, is that where you got the tan from? Is that? I went by the weekend. Uh, seeing the tunnel, so Millwall had got beat the year before. They, they'd lost the League One playoff final the oh, year right. before, so they yeah. were obviously determined not to happen oh. again. And in the tunnel, I don't know if maybe this happened to them the year before. In the tunnel, I can remember them looking at us and saying, "Look at them! They're, they're absolutely kind of swear on here, but they're absolutely doing yeah. themselves." And uh, I remember thinking. <laughs> How does he? How does he know that I'm so scared? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, went out and it was the game was terrible. Mate. They they score a goal for a corner comes in. I think the captain's back into her goal and he just kind of hooks it in the net. I think that was probably the only shot on target. Charlie goes through with ten minutes to go. Charlie never missed a chance all season. Mate. Honestly, any chance Charlie got, bang goal. He's running through. We're thinking this is a goal. I, I actually think I, 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 there is a video, mate. When Charlie's in the box, I can't turn to go back to the centre, centre circle because I think you scored. Uh-huh. And I back, and the ball's in Rose Ed. And see if you look back, just as Charlie goes to hit it, the Wembley turf wasn't great. The ball just bounces up and it hits his shin, mate, and it goes. And it's, I, I still think back, mate, see, like, fine margins in football. If we win that game, I got the championship. My career's completely different. Eh? I know. Um, but wasn't it meant to be? And uh, to be fair, Millwall were, Millwall were a good team. They had some good players, so... Uh, fair play So after then, um, you returned to Celtic um, from your loan spell in for that pre-season. Do you fancy your chances at all of breaking into the Celtic first team? Was that in your mind? 
Uh, because Lenny had got the job, maybe, but like, I had my heart set on going to Swindon, mate. Yeah. Danny Wilson pulled us and said, like, this is what we'll be, this is what we'll be offering you. Um, we're pretty sure that Celtic will sell us. Like, um, and I was buzzing, mate. Like you said, four-year deal. Go up next year. Be and then I went back to to Celtic. And uh, Lenny shouted on us the first day, mate. They took us up to the office and absolutely slaughtered us, man. Hitting <laughs> you know, Gary Parker and Tom and Alan Thompson. Uh, Who's a great... They, they, see, they four, they were brilliant, mate. I loved them. Yeah. Again, just keep me on my... Keep my feet on the ground, mate. Just absolutely slaughtered us. Like, what? You done well for Swindon in League One? This is Celtic, like... Don't bad mouth... Because I think I said in an article, I don't know how they even got it, mate, but... I think I said, like, there's no way I'm going back to Celtic to no play. I'm going to win the next year. They slaughtered us, mate. But that's it. Again, the things that Lenny doesn't see, like, how much he loves Celtic, mate. He, like, well, not. I was like, there's no way I'm having a 21 year old kid bad mouth in the, the club. Obviously, I didn't mean a bad. I wasn't a bad mouth in the club, but. Aye. Um, and he was like, all right, you're coming to America with us. He says, if you impress us, because he said, I don't know what you're <laughs> if you us, then. Um, I don't want you to go to Swindon. He, he actually says to me, Lenny, he says, I think you're better than, I think you can get a championship club in England. Like, I don't know, I don't think you should go to League One. Uh, and then I went to America. I don't actually done really well in the games in training in America. I think we played Seattle. I put Sammy through uh, a nice pass and he went down and got a penalty against Seattle and he scored it. And after the game, he made, made a big deal about my performance. Like, he's like, that's what I'm expecting for a player uh, that I want to play in my team. Uh, and then obviously we had the night out and me and Paul McGinn made a total Charlie McGrew, mate. See, Charlie always gets me talking, man. He's sitting next to me in my ear, then day this, day that. Fling that pizza and that night sponsor, mate. <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you thinking? So, uh, and I, I've told the story as well. Like, Lenny had a kangaroo court and me and Gilzer got absolutely hammered in it. And then even when I was... Lenny was like, to me, I'm not... Swindon, I know offering enough money for you and Cadge. I'm not going... He's like, you should stay here. He says, you'll, you'll come on and I'll get you minutes here and there, but... I was, I was on the phone to Danny Olsen all the time, eh, so I was desperate to go. I just loved all the boys doing there and that. And um, when I did eventually go to leave, as I say, Lenny pulled us in his office, never forget it. He's like, ah, um, never changed it. He says, never changed the, the personality. Yeah, he says, brilliant, infectious. He says, all right, you did a couple of stupid things, but he says, um, he says, oh, uh, and then he just wished us all the best. and Top man, absolutely top man. And he knew I wanted to go, mate, so he kind of he kind of done a few things to help us, help us get there, so... Thank him for that as well. Huh? So was uh, the offer from Swindon always on the table then? Was it just a, a case of whether Celtic would, would let it go through or not? I actually pure cleared up on my flat, eh? Sitting in my mother. Oh. Sitting in my missus car and my agent phoned. He's like, Celtic have just knocked back another bid, man. I was, like, I was like, I've got nowhere to stay. I'd, rent, I'd actually rented my flat <laughs> thinking that I was going, eh? So I was pure panicking, man. And then I think like two hours later he phoned and says, Swindon, I'm going to pay a wee bit extra. And Paul mm-hmm. Caddis is going with as well, which is brilliant, mate, because I love to be Cad's eh? Great so, player, great player. What a player. And he phoned me up, me and him were, were going mad on the phone, buzzing, and um, picked me up, and then that was it, mate. Picked me up, and we went down to, went down to Swindon. Now, obviously, you've loved Swindon. What a club you've done, you done well uh, there. But that season, your first season, um, when you made the permanent switch, was a bit tougher than the others. You were then uh, relegated to week two. Um, how do you think it all went? wrong that season it's just a season after you get to nearly the championship as you said Charlie Austin one goal away from the championship and then next thing you know you're in league two what went wrong well I signed signed again and uh, when I got down there um, and Danny Wilson said uh, was sold Gordon Greer and I was like why why is he the best player 
Brighton, Brighton, what a career he had at Brighton. I think he had five great years, think, championship and that. And uh, we're going to play, we've got a young kid coming through, Sean Morrison, who's now the captain of Cardiff. Now, Sean is a tremendous centre-half, mate, but playing League One football with two young centre-halves, and I say it at Peterhead as well, I've said it on interviews as well, for me, you need an experienced centre-back. One experienced centre-back, um, we never had that. Never had it. Gordy was our, Gordy would get on people. And, but you're asking Big Sean at 19 to come in and, and do that, and obviously it wasn't really in Sean's nature. Sean was it. Sean, Sean's only centre-half I know that's a lunatic. And maybe like always up for a carry on, wants a laugh all the time. Uh, usually, like centre halves are big, serious guys, and Sean was just up for a carry on constantly. It was so Charles Austin, mate, which I had to because he wanted to go in big teams or turn on yeah. And we brought this guy in called Thomas DeSevy, right? So, my first game, Nottingham Forest, that mean cad sat in the stand actually because we just signed. And he looked amazing, man. I think he was for Tongo, and uh, Danny Wilson signed him. And after that, mate, just. <laughs> Couldn't tie his shoelaces together, man. Honestly, uh-huh. just kept running offside, mate. We were, we actually sat down one day and we were like, "Do you understand offside? Like <laughs> this side of the defender, the fuck, you're offside, mate. Just run offside all the time, eh?" So again, mate, for me, as I, I want to be a manager, a coach, spining your team, mate. For me, it's so important, man. And uh, we lost obviously our centre half and Gordy, and then our centre forward and Charlie and two boxes, mate. But if you're not, if you're not good in either boxing. Quite often you'll, you'll lose games and you'll end up getting relegated. So players make, and I, as I say, players make teams, man. Um, wait, and then um, heard the news when I was lying in my bed on the the canny got the job, man. I was buzzing, so buzzing, eh? So no buzzing. And right. I actually, my mate phoned us. One of my mates in Swindon phoned us and says the has got the job. And I was like, oh mate, five asides every day, man. How good right. is this movie? Um, <laughs> and he turned up, mate, and it was not one five aside in eighteen months. It was the hardest 18 months of my life, but the best. So, said you were uh, obviously buzzing when DeCanio gets the job, everyone would be massive, massive name. Great character as well, you fought five or sides every day, but obviously that wasn't the case. So, what was the actual first time that you ever spoke to Paolo DeCanio? What did they say to you? So, I don't know if you watched Matt Riches the other day, so... I did, yeah. Uh, we put, we all we turned up. And- <laughs> You could tell he's fuming, man. We were like, how can he be fuming? It's the first day. <laughs> we looked at all he was like looking at the group and he was like, ah, lads, I'm going to be honest, I don't like what I see. <laughs> and I was like, ah, what? And he was like, ah, everyone, very fat. <laughs> Body language, terrible, lads. But like, under me, he, that, that was the day he's like, ah, under me, your English way, your, your kind of swear crappy English way, God. Wednesday off? No, 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 no. Sunday off? No, no, no. We're in seven days a week. Seven days a week? Yeah. Seven days a week. Yeah. Seven wow. days a week. And I remember, I was like, Cads was standing next to me, Paul Cadis, and I, every time he said something, I was like, ah. <laughs> no way, no way, no way. He'd be like, no ice in your drinks, no butter. Everyone's waiters to come down. And then he obviously he pulled, uh, he pulled Matty Ritchie and called him with a fat little piggy. But that, after that, we had, to, we had to go on and get a training kit on and then uh, he was standing with the sports uh, the co- sports coach and taking everyone's weight. And I remember taking my top off in the dressing room and the boys were like, to me, oh, you, <laughs> you have had a very good summer, man. You are in for it here. Mate, I was sweating. See, waiting in my, I think I was like eighth in the queue. I was sweating, man, thinking, what is this going to be, my weight? Stood on the scales, mate, and he has fucked, man. He's looked up and he's like, how is this possible? <laughs> 
Five foot nine, eighty kilo. No, mamma mia. He's like, he's the, he's shouting, he's the fat boy. He is the fat boy. And uh, he's like, no, Simon. He's like, Simon, no, no, no. He says, you don't play a game. He says, I can't have you going out there representing me looking like this. He says, my team is a representation of me. He says, if you want to play in my team, you have to get to 72 kilo. He says, must. Otherwise, you train, you run, but you don't play. But see, since that, and I hated him. Hated him, mate. And he hated me. And again, I'm phoning my agent saying, get me out of here, man. Get me out of here now. Um, and then we done training. And he's like, his training was the hardest thing. He's so tired, right? And everyone would walk off. And he'd be like to me, fat boy, where do you think you're going? Me and you, we run. I loved that a bit on film. Did he do, like, do, do, do it with you then? Did he run with you? See, when I'm running with him, he's like, why, why do you want to be like this? I can tell in training you're a good player. Technically yeah. good. Why do you want to be like this? He used to say that to me all the time, mate. Why do you want? Why do you want to be like this? Uh, and he would do the runs with us, mate. And slowly but surely, I got my weight down. And then see when I'm, I remember, I think I got to seventy-two, and he came up to me. I think I got on the scale seventy-two, and this is what was good about him. Like, it could be horrible to you, mate, right? And then once I got to seventy-two, he starts grabbing my my face, and he's like, "Look at those beautiful cheekbones. <laughs> look at those." He's like, why would you ever want to have big fat cheeks when you you look you can look like this? And mate, that made you feel loving, man. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Um, but then that's him liking me again. So I'm part of the squad, and I'm doing really well, mate. Like the two guys that are playing ahead of me, like no disrespect, should never be playing ahead of me. I know that. Even the guy <laughs> that was boy shouldn't be playing ahead of me. Like, he, so we play Burnley, and I'm thinking me and Decano are pals now. Like. We're getting on well. He liked my cl- he likes my cl- he liked my clothes and that he was quite trendy. He liked what I wore. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of that he liked to laugh at me. Eh? So we're playing Burnley, right? And I'm sitting on the bench. I'm raging that I'm on the bench. I thought I'd be playing, and uh, mate, it gets to like seventy minutes, right? And I look round and I'm like, ah, everyone else, everyone else had been on, and I was sitting there, right? So it was me and a young boy that was sitting there. So it gets to eighty minutes, and he goes to the young boy, Louis, you're going on, and I remember just. I think I just chucked my Garston. And he's like, what? What is it? What? He's like, go warm up, you go on. And I was like, nah, nah. Nah, I'm not going. I'm not going on. Mate, see, after that game, he went ballistic, man. He's like, you do okay now, you're right even further down than where you were before. <laughs> he's like, never play for me. He says, it would take, I'll take a miracle for you. He says, before tonight, there was three ahead of you, now there's four. He moves ahead of you. Your fifth choice centre midfielder. If you want to call your agent, you can go. So again, for my agent, I was like, and you need to get me out of here. I'm never going to play. I can't have two years of no playing football, man. Otherwise, I'm finished. And uh, I think I was, I'd spoke to Chesterfield about going there. John Sheridan was a manager. He always quite liked me. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually right after the beat. I was like, I had me, mate, stick it out, man. I think, I think, because he spoke to him in Italian. He's like, he kind of likes that you stood up, stood up to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously he was a bit like that, wasn't he? So he was like, I think you should stay. And I think Chesterfield had needed to take a, a wage reduction on me. So I think I was like, I'll stay until like, the end of the window, see what happens. If it doesn't get any better, then I'll go down. And then it was just lucky for me that the team had an absolute shocker. Eh? I think he won his first game 2-0, but it was fluky. We never played well. Eh? And I was sitting on the side, again, unused sub. And, I, and then the guy that was playing ahead of me, mate, scores. I was a shocker. But just my luck at the time, mate, eh? Ball comes to him like about a minute to go, he takes a touch and ball, he's at the top, like a total hit and hold, man. Over the keeper's head, and I'm like, No. <laughs> so then we lose, mate. We lose the next four games, eh? 
never forget this. We're going to the bus. Me and Cads are going to Dagenham. We're going to Dagenham. We'd lost three. This was the fifth game of the season. Lost three in a row. And uh, Cads added me, mate, Gaff. I just pulled. And I was like, ah. I was like, you kidding? He's like, no, he pulled us and said, like, want to play Simon. He says, I was going to play Simon tonight, but because Dagenham are big and strong and physical, I'm going to go with the two that have been playing. And uh-huh. maybe when time is to go, we'll bring Simon on. And I was like, ah, right, whatever. So we go down to 10 men within 10 minutes. We get beat, get beat. I didn't even get on again. And I'm at the cards. He, he's playing with my mind, man. He knows what you're going to do. He's holding <laughs> me up. He's telling you this so that you come and tell me. And then he's not putting me on so that to get me even ang- even angrier. So again, sitting all week thinking, I need to get out of here, man. He pulls me in the office that Friday. I think that was a Tuesday night game. He pulls me in the office that Friday and he's like, okay, fat boy, tomorrow you play. <laughs> One chance. He says, it's up to you. How you want to do it? You want to come and play for me? This is your chance tomorrow. I was playing Oxford in the derby, mate. And that's a massive game. Like It's a full house. And he says, uh, you play it and we'll see how you get on. So I played really well, mate. I got beat. And uh, after the game, he was like, okay. He says, you play again next week. Okay. And then went on and bear in mind, I missed the first five games, not even getting on the pitch in that year. Um, and he was brilliant, mate. Honestly, brilliant. Just knew how, to, knew how to get the best of you, man. Like He knew that I needed a... So a guy that shouted in my face all the time, and he knew that, he, and then he would know that other guys didn't need that, so he wouldn't date to them as much. But um, like totally saved my career, mate. Because if I went to Chesterfield, mate, I'd have been that same wee guy that never done enough, never lived his life properly, um, completely changed my outlook on how people should live and and train. And he was brilliant, man. Like tactically, and his coaching was was top class. So then at the end of that season, mate, he phoned us. Never forget it. Um, Phone. I was in the car actually with my missus, and he's like, "Simon, I just want to thank you." He says, "You stood up to me. You not stood up to me. You, you proved me wrong." Uh, he says, "I'll always respect for that." And he says, um, "The full time I'm at Swindon Town, no matter how you play from now." He says, "You'll be there the whole time that I'm, I'm there." Uh, it was a great phone call, mate. Um, so I was buzzing. Uh, what a guy! I, I love him. You speak very highly, Paul Decano, and sounds like. Some of the methods he, he had he dealing with use not just as players but as as people were brilliant. Did you think um, when he left Swindon that he was he was going to go on and become a great manager after then? I Man, I honestly I thought he was going to the top. Eh? Really? Wow. We all used to say like, we had boys um, that had played at a very high level that come to us and they used to say thought they used to say like don't know don't know if you'll do it at the top level because mm. I off the handle mate crazy. Eh? He can just fly off the handle. Well, you think, you think this is nothing. Like, there's no way he's going to be angry with this, mate. And he just flips. And when he flips, though, mate, it's not like it is you're thinking he is going to leather me, man. Um, so they kind of, the older boys used to say, don't know, if you'll, don't know if you'll be able to date up there, but they used to say, coaching wise, mate, like, see, you knew every last detail what the team was you were playing against. This is how, this will, this is what will work against this team. That's the only time I've ever had a manager who, you work on something Monday to Friday and then you would actually see it happening on a Saturday. Like, it wasn't just, let's go here and hopefully we play better than them. It was pure, every corner was because that team had this, didn't they do well, this, didn't do this well at corners or we're going to defend like this today because, like, we played Burnley, mate, and you think, go press, 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 but you never, he was like, ah, now we're sitting on the halfway line and then when we get it, they're not good. They're not good when they lose it and then they need to recover quickly. So when we win it like back, lads, we're going to go bump, bump, bump. And Scott, I mean, it worked, eh? Like, we beat Burnley, we beat Brighton, we beat Wigan in the FA Cup with Maloney and McCarthy, MacArthur, we beat Aston Villa, 
beat loads of top teams, mate, and it was all down to his, his game plan and, and coaching. You mentioned you, you beat loads of top teams there, and you went on to win League 2, and you were absolutely flying in League 1 as well. Um, a lot of that can be down to the carryall, but you always speak an open goal like very, very highly of the, the boys in the dressing room, and that's when the team... Who, who were the top boys around the book Swindon uh, during those years? What was that, the League 2 team? Uh, the League so, 2 uh, team, and then when you got promoted to the, to the first half of League 1. Yeah, so we we had uh, we had a great dressing room again. I don't know why it's winning, but I always had great dressing room. So Aidan Flint was a was a great guy, not a great guy, as in he slaughters boys, eh? But uh, yeah. funny, funny man. He's so funny. He's at Cardiff now as well. We're showing, isn't he? Still speak to funny actually. Um, funny had a dry sense of humour. He was funny. He would cane boys. Um, Cad obviously, Cad's top man. Uh, yeah. Wes tremendous. What a keeper Wes was for us. Uh, who else? Matty Ritchie. Matty Ritchie. Like we used to call him busy. He's basically Gary Neville Swindon, mate. Do you know what I mean? We used to call him Gary Neville. But what a player, mate. Honestly, like, see, for that level, he was ridiculous. Um, Rafa De Vita, what a guy. Rafa was brilliant, actually, man. I felt sorry for Rafa, man. He's Italian all the time. And every time we'd do Adam, what's he saying? And, and the canny would be staring at Rafa, man. What I tell you. But I'd just go, tell us what he's saying, man. And he'd pure time and the canny would pure. Do you know who else was? John Bostock, he was a good player. Uh, from Spurs, was it? Spurs, Boston, yeah. you played, yeah. you played. Uh, James James Collins, was he there that year? Yeah. I'm trying to think the strikers were one the year we won League Two. Oh, Alan Connor, Paul Benson was a great guy. He was an older uh, guy, 34. Um, uh, so now, a great dressing room. Um, and then Luke Rooney, who does the In the Box videos. I don't know if you've seen. He yeah, was, I've watched him. Nah, he's good. He is he good. Yeah. So he was my wee drinking partner. Eh? So, <laughs> in January, if you're him. And his dad's a proper company, mate, like a black hat driver in London. And uh, <laughs> they'd come every game, and we'd always end up back in my house uh, till all of us. Um, and then we'd always go on a Sunday. That was into with the canoe. Like, we'd, we'd be in on a Sunday, mate, so we'd all go out Saturday night. And honestly, man, he used to walk up and try and smell your breath on a Sunday. Because you're in, you're in Sunday, mate. You can run five now. Uh, surely we're going to be off, man. And, uh, nah, lads, we're in tomorrow. We need to work. I'm like, come on, pal. Mate, we actually counted up one day. We were in, we were in for 63 days in a row, eh? Without a deal. Was that legal season? 63 days in a row, without a deal. Is that, is that even legal to be in that many days in a row? Probably not. <laughs> see, when, see, when we were, uh, see when we were struggling to get up? Like, we, we were flying, obviously, and then I think we'd lost a couple, and he pulled us in one day, right, in the office, in, in the meeting room, and he's like, lads, I, I've checked. I've checked everything. Checked. Rules, FIFA guidelines. He says, "I've gave you so many days off this this year." He says, "Legally, in the summer, if we don't win the league, not only don't go up, if we don't win the league, I'm only going to usually get like six weeks in England, mate. Yeah. I only give you fourteen days off in the summer." <laughs> and I, I think I done a face. He's like, "Simon, I don't joke." Days <laughs> off in the summer, eh? So let's see stuff like that, mate. Like we went back to the dressing room. Was like, lads, we need to get the finger out, man, because he will do this. He'll only mm. give us fourteen days. I sucked his word all the time, yeah. Uh, you know, mate, it wasn't a, a false thing, like, it would totally happen, so, even maybe things, like, you might think that's horrible, but it works, mate, like, see with the lower league players, stuff like that works, carrots work, uh, and you still do that to us as well sometimes, like, you come, lads, if you win Saturday, massive game, we need to win, if you win, I'll give you Sunday, Monday off, and then you can go and do what you want, you like to do, and see, that Saturday, we're like dogs, man, see, because you know, they offer, like, 63 days, you're absolutely chomping at the bit, I think we ended up winning, like, 5-0, we all went through to London for uh, Saturday night, Sunday during the day. And uh, that's what brings you so close together as well, mate. See, because you're suffering every day and then you get that day out, you're all pure highs of kite. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
It was a great balance, mate. Like, I loved it. I need somebody like that, like that as a manager. And then that the season you got promoted, you were up into League One the following season, so that's the 2012-13 season. Absolutely flying up top it. January and then slumped to a sixth place finish. Where do you think it all went went wrong that season? So, so see what I was saying about the Canio. Yeah. That, that summer, right? We signed uh, we signed older players, mate, and uh, they were I love that was probably dressing room wise. That was my favourite year at Swindon. Uh-huh. We'd, we'd be out a lot. We'd uh, we'd hang about with each other. We'd go to each other's houses with the girls. Like Sundays, we'd train on a Sunday, and then we'd all go out. There'd be like fourteen us with the girls and. The, uh, the boys, Scousers and uh, Jay McEverley, Gary Roberts, Tommy Miller was a, a Geordie, Alan Navarro was a Scouser, uh, we Luke Rooney was a, a Londoner, and uh, that wee group, James Collins as well, who was at Hibs, great guy, his, his missus, me and my missus went on holiday with him and his missus at the end of that season, uh, a guy called Joe Devera, big Flinty was always there, so it was a real big, not just drinking, but we do have a couple of pints now, but we're off Pally, um, they were great guys, man. Honestly, great guys. And then, uh, so see with that, the canio would, as I say, would keep us on a leash because you will go through you. And uh, so you you would never take it too far. Like, there would never be any time you'd be out on a Thursday or you'd go on a Saturday or a Sunday and then that was you until next Saturday. Um, but then he, the canio left me and it was like letting the kids out of the playpen, man. It was just, because you'd been, it was 18 months, mate, of every day being in it and we, the last, See when you look back, you think, what are you what are you doing, man? You're top league, you've got a chance to go up to the championship, double your money, hey, a better life, but you would rather go back to going out twice a week and just lost focus, mate. Like I've no doubt if he stayed the manager, we'd have won that league. Hundred percent. Why do you think he left? Why do you think he resigned in, in February? He left because uh, the money ran out of Swindon, eh? So he was wanting he was wanting players in constantly. Like that was another thing he'd done to keep you motivated, mate. He'd always have players in it. Eh? Bring players in your position, you think, I need to be on it, man, because this guy's a good player, he's going to play. And uh, Matt Ritchie went, mate, and that was the final straw for me. Aye. When Matt Ritchie went to Bournemouth, um, he kind of cracked, man, and just you just knew that his head was gone. And then I think Sunderland probably approached him, so he resigned and uh, uh, just fell apart for there, bro. And then... And that summer, so obviously you don't get promoted in the summer of 2013, you moved to, to Portsmouth. Um, what was it? What was the thinking behind the move to Portsmouth? Who, who organised that? Well, this is a killer as well, mate. See, just before the Canyon left, he, would, he uh-huh. was talking about giving me a new three-year deal. Oh, really? Much so, mate, see, when he left, I was devastated, man. See, Matt Ritchie and Kaz, they signed it. I think they signed it like two months before me. Don't know why I never done it at the same time. Mm. That's my biggest regret ever, mate. Like, I really wish that I'd signed that contract like a couple of months before. Um, and then because new uh, a new board came in, that's why the Canio had left, and uh, I was one of the bigger bigger earners. So they pulled me in and like that. There's no way like you'll be able to get the money that you are getting next year unless we get promoted to the championship. And um, mm-hmm. he says so. If it's going to be League One, then kind of kind of keep you on on that money. So I was going to go to MK Dons, mate. Eh? Like I spoke to uh, Carol Robinson, yeah. he's a great guy, actually funny, really, really funny. Yeah. I met him. Roberts and says Has Selena been playing for MK Dons at that time? I don't know if he was actually I don't, I don't think so I could have went so bad <laughs> He was on the bench so he did. <laughs> uh, Imagine Imagine I went there when he was there oh, my, I oh. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, I had my hopes set. I thought I was signing for MK Dons, and Stephen Gleeson was meant to go. Stephen Gleeson was at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Meant to go to uh, Wolves, I think it was. Stephen Gleeson was meant to go to Wolves, and they were going to sign me to replace Stephen Gleeson. And uh, my agent phoned me. He's like, ah, Gleeson's not want to go, or uh, Wolves are not going to pay the money that Gleeson's wanting. I was like, oh, come on, man. I had my heart set on MK Dons. We've seen their stadium, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Dressing room, that's amazing. MP done. Uh, and then that fell through, and then it's going to sign for Fleetwood with Graham Alexander. Uh-huh. Met Graham Alexander at a hotel, uh, and then basically agreed a deal on it, and then never heard from him, man. So I was in turmoil, mate. And then I, I done really well against Yeovil that year, and Yeovil went up through the playoffs. I was sitting in my Mrs. Mum and Dad's house, and my phone went, Major went, You want to go to Yeovil? And I went, Absolutely not. No way, man. There's no way. <laughs> Have you been to Yeovil's ground in that? No, where is Yeovil? Exactly, mate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like to my agent, nah. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> the championship, I am not going to Yeovil. And he bet, he, and then the manager phoned us. Gary Johnson's like, just come down, see if you like it. And I was like, so what, a trial? And he's like, nah, no, a trial. Just come and see if you like it. But, but a trial. But <laughs> a trial, mate. Yeah. But see that train journey down to Yeovil? I could agree. Eh? <laughs> I've never had a homesick feeling because I've been away from home forever. Eh? Yeah. I think we just had my first kid, and I, 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 I think I phoned every single one of my mates in my phone book on that journey down. Try to get them to convince me, and <laughs> I was just wanting one of them to say, "Mate, just go back up the road, man." But every one of them were like, ah, "Mate, it's a championship, man. Get yourself done." <laughs> no, you here now. I know. I, I always say I done really well, but I actually did right, and we were training. I done really well, and. Uh, Gary Johnson pulled us in the office. We're playing away to Pool Town. I phoned Charlie Austin, right, and said, uh, mate, I'm playing at Pool Town tomorrow. What's it like? He's like, oh, you'll hate it, lad. He said, you will hate it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a worse surface, man. You can't, you won't be able to get the ball down. It'll be a total, they'll be up for it. It'll be horrible. I phoned my agent. I was like, please, can you try and get this deal done before this Pool Town game, man? Because I've just woke to Charlie. He thinks I'll have a shocker on it. And he's like, nah, the chairman's going to come tomorrow. Because we I was wanting more money. I was speaking about the money at this stage because I'd done, done well. And uh, Gary Johnson went, well, see if you play well tomorrow, the chairman's going to be there. So if you do well, he'll give you more money. Mate, I just knew. We got changed in four of cabins, right? Oh, no. I know, I know mate. You can, you can picture it, can't you? What we got a pulled down in at that time, actually? God knows, mate. Ah. God knows. <laughs> I remember walking out, right, and I looked at the pitch, and I think, I think the first pass came to me, mate, and I went to control and it bobbled down my foot. Oh, no. I think their midfielders, like, took a touch and nearly scored. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what was going through my head at that stage, mate. And then after the game, obviously, I had a shocker, mate. I had a shocker. Mm. And uh, Gary Johnson pulled us in, and he's like, ah, going to need to see you for another week. And I went, nah, mate, I'm, I'm going up the road, man. Done. And as I'm going, to, when I was going up the road, my mate Joe Devera was at Portsmouth again. He was one of that group that me and my message used to hang about with mm-hmm. him and him. And Joe's like that to me, uh, mate. Pompey are desperate for you, man. In fact, he told me that at the start, but obviously I thought I'd finished fifth in League One that sixth in League One that year. Played every game, done well. Um, I was thinking League One team or a Championship team, and. Um, so Joe phoned us at the start of the season. He'd signed for Portsmouth. He says, "Come to Portsmouth, mate. It'd be brilliant, man." Massive club, so you should see the stadium, the training ground's really good. Um, but the money wasn't great, mate, because they'd just been done with all the money, so right. 
they, they would have been in week two at that point, is that right? League two, mate. Yeah, league two, yeah. I didn't want to go playing league two again, mate. I played that one year with Swindon and didn't want to play league two. I thought it was better than that, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had nothing else, mate. And Gillian phoned, actually. I was on my way to Portsmouth and Gillian phoned us. It was Paul Benson, actually, who played with Swindon. He went, Martin Allen's just been on the phone with me, mate. Um, he, wants you, he wants to meet you at Gillian. He wants to take you. And it was me and Murray that was getting to Portsmouth. And mm-hmm. I was like, Benno, he's like, I said to Benno, what's he like? And he went, mate, if you think the canny was crazy, man, times it by 10 for Martin Allen. <laughs> he says, but in a good way, he says, you'll probably like him. And I just, I just thought, I looked at Gillingham and I looked at their squad and I knew no one in their team. No, I knew nobody. Not a person, not. Nah, wow. and, uh, and, and then I obviously had a mad manager for 18 months and I was thinking, <laughs> So I went another 18 months there. <laughs> I moved at Portsmouth and I thought Portsmouth mate, great club man, like proper club. So I said, I'll go to Portsmouth first and meet them. And as soon as I went and walked in Fratton Park, I said, no, I'm going to sign here man. Unbelievable. What a stadium eh. Honestly, see the pitch mate, it's always immaculate. The stands are like two yards from the pitch. It's wow. pure. The pitch seems like it's kind of higher up than the stand. Do you know what, do you know what I mean that way? Aye, aye, yeah. And then you walk, and then you walk. See the tunnel. I love this, mate. It's the only club. I think it's the only club I played against, for and against. I have it. As see, it's Portsmouth. So you get changed in the changing rooms. You walk down steps. You come along, mate, and you're standing in the tunnel. There's steps, and you can just see Fratton Park. Always, always full house. And then you walk up steps to get onto the pitch, mate. I, I used to love walking out of Fratton Park. Eh? But I could. The problem was with your team that I used to love walking out of Fratton Park. I could tell. Mm-hmm. You could actually see what he's thinking. Because obviously Portsmouth hadn't where they were at that stage. Like these boys had never played in front of a crowd at eighteen thousand, um, so you could just tell there was a nervousness for the start, and it's a disaster to be honest with you. So it was obviously Portsmouth are in League Two. Fans are still brilliant, selling out Fratton Park, great stadium. Was there still boys in that team that could could have played at a much higher level? Was there any any dregs left of the Premier League or Championship boys there? Now, do you know what I was again? Someone I went the season I struggled at Swindon. There was a lot of good young boys, mate. But see, in League Two, you can't have a team full of young boys. And see, yeah. the old players that were there, they weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. It was a bad mix, mate. Like, you're asking young boys like Jed Wallace, who was a great player, mate, and now plays yeah. in Milton. You're asking Jed to be going to be a match winner, mate, at 19 year old every week. And it was tough on him. And when he gets when a young kid gets criticised, like, Jed's got a great mentality, he doesn't really care. but at 19, mate, and the crowd was getting on his back, you could tell, obviously, of course it's going to affect him. Mm-hmm. Adam Webster, who's now at Brighton, was there. What a player he was. Again, young though, mate. I think your centre-backs that year were Jack Watmore, who was 17, and Adam Webster was 19. <laughs> you're asking two centre-halves to go and play against. And in League 2 at that time, mate, you're talking like, who played up front for... Um, talking like guys like Lee, uh, Dion Burton, guys like that, that have been there and done it, mate, and they're mm-hmm. pretty- I'm going to 17 and 19 year olds a bit, so it was tough, mate. And uh, we had a guy called Dave Cornley, who was a hero. What a player he was. One of the best players I've played with. Yeah. And he, Dave, Dave had high demands. As I say, I got on well with him because I like people that are like that. But some of the boys just couldn't take it, mate. And you could just see them kind of going under. Um, and then the manager was uh, a lovely guy, mate. But just, again... I think he was a youth team manager before, so he knew all the young boys. And he wanted to play all the young boys. And Dave, obviously, was a, probably a bigger personality than what he was. Dave would kind of take over and the manager would never really step in. So it was um, it was kind of a disaster, mate, to be honest. We're lucky so, that we I actually thought at one stage, we are going to get Portsmouth relegated out of the Football League. And wow. We, 
20 of the biggest jokers of all time, man. Uh, thankfully, we stayed up that year, mate, because it would have been a uproar. And was that was that just a one one year deal that you were on, or? No, no, no I had a two year deal. I mean, actually, I was going to sign a three year deal, but my missus, um, we were in Swindon, right, and I made a promise to. She's like, we we're going to go closer up the road because I kind of. Portsmouth's the furthest south you can go, is it? <laughs> exactly, man. I can't drive either, mate. So she, we used to drive up oh, the road. Oh, no. She, she would drive for eight hours, man. I'd, I'd sleep for eight hours, man. <laughs> so we end up in Portsmouth, and she's like, nah, there's no way I'm staying here for three years. So I signed a two year deal. And uh, after about three months, we got burgled. Oh, really? Anyway, because. Um, she got burgled and she's like, I'm off. I'm going back up the road, man. You're, you're not on your own. I thought so, Portsmouth's a nice area, is it not? That's, that's a problem for me. It's only when I'm on, it's scorching constantly. Oh, dude. <laughs> now you end up, you know, it's so laid back, Portsmouth, mate. Like, you're sitting in a restaurant, see anywhere I've been, like, a fan, see, you're having a drink, a fan with proper skill at you, man. Like, see, Swindon, like, they hated you drinking, they would crash at the club. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, uh, but see, Portsmouth, mate, like, a fan would come over and be like, you want to be You'd end up sitting getting... <laughs> yeah, they're so laid back down there, man. I don't know if it's because like, they're next to the sea and there's a beach there, but it's just so laid back, mate. And uh, misses is away and you just end up going out too much and mm. not living your life properly. That's what I always say to everyone. Like, it's no coincidence that the 18 months that I actually lived my life as a football player was the most successful. Like, it's no rocket science, you know what I mean? With the canio, so... Aye. And then, uh, obviously... Season at Portsmouth, and then in that summer, you move back up the road uh, to your hometown club, Dundee. It's always always an ambition to go back to Dundee or back to Scotland at all. Nah, nah. Like, my missus never had what she had me. I'd have been in England for the rest of my career. I loved it. Oh, really? I loved it. I loved wow. it mate. Wow. Just going to uh, go, League One and Two, mate. You're still going to big stadiums now. Eh? Like, mm-hmm. big, it's um, something different. I loved uh, travelling. Well, like 23 different teams um, and not playing the same teams for time. I, I think Scotland it should be a bigger league mate because see, oh, I agree. I oh definitely man I definitely I remember watching clips on Aberdeen these five times before <laughs> um, so I loved it doing there mate really did um, doing there I think it suited me better as well um, up here mate I couldn't believe the, the pace of the game when I came up here eh? just like I was going to ask that is it completely different is it completely oh. different yeah Especially with the canyon, mate, like, for us it was totally all about, like, build up and keep it, and then we'll, once the chance is on, we'll get it wide, and, but, mate, we, I came up here, man, and my first game, it was like a bass, I was blown out my hole after about 20 minutes, man. <laughs> like, we get it, and first thought is, can we score? And then they'd get it, and it was like, kick it forward and score, man, I was like, wow. And everyone was so, it was like a young boy, we played Patrick Thistle, and the two centre midfielders, man, were like, giving me it, man, like, in my ear, slaughtering us, like, look at that, man, honestly, and then, like, I want to smash you all the time, you, you, I remember going to take a touch, and it was just bang, I was like, wow, man, I need, to, like, I need to be on, I don't know what I thought, man, I was like, I'm going to struggle here, and I did, I struggled, in fact, see, it started on the uh, first six games, I think we went unbeaten, I played every game, and I was doing all right, not great, but all right, and then we got humped for United at home, I think it was 4-1, and then, I got injured. We were playing St. Mun away and I got injured in the warm-up and uh, missed like four games or something. Then after that, mate, I was hopeless. Couldn't, couldn't get back up to speed. We just had our second kid, mate, and he never slept a wink, eh? 
And we were coming through for Glasgow, I was knackered, man. See, I remember at times going to play and I was shattered. I hadn't slept all week, you're doing all that travelling. My back, sir, I had a bad back at post with me. Uh-huh. The last thing I had to be doing was travelling through to Dundee every day for an hour and a half. Training, travelling back an hour and a half. It's like stiff as a board, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just never worked, but all down to me, mate. Like, I gave Paul Hartley a couple of, we said a couple of things on open goal and that, but <laughs> when you look back, mate, it's, it's never never usually the manager's fault. It's always it's a reason why you're not playing and why you're not doing well. It's, it's always yourself. And then... Uh, Paul Hartley would you to a sixth place finish, which is uh, very respectable for Dundee. Um, I just want to ask you, who were the best players in, uh, in and around that team at the time? I know boys like Kevin Thompson and stuff like that. Just how good were boys like that to get to get a team like Dundee up to sixth position? Mate, see, when you say that, like, um, what do you say respectable? It's amazing for Dundee for me. <laughs> no, it is. I know. Uh, if, you look at, if you look at them now as well, that's, what, what a season. That's what I'm saying, mate, like, I grew up in Dundee. Dundee were always kind of first division, bottom half of the Premiership. Mm-hmm. We, we finished sixth. Paul Hartley done a great job, mate. Honestly, great job. His recruitment that year. Training was brilliant, mate. I love Paul Hartley's training. I really enjoyed it. Good, good um, sessions he put on. Really enjoyable. Um, obviously, just me and him, because I wasn't playing, kind of clashed a couple of times. But mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was good. Like, Paul Hartley had good ideas, mate. I liked the way he wanted to play. Maybe at times he went away from what he wanted and would ask us to go forward more than what he talked about at the start of the season. But obviously that's the pressures of being a manager. The crowd that Dundee do get on your back if you're keeping the ball for some reason. Dundee fans love the ball going forward quite quick and didn't like really passing it about, which didn't suit me, mate. I, I like to... Peter probably say it's negative football, which maybe it is, but <laughs> like a wee bit of build-up, mate, before it goes yeah. forward. I mean, um, they were desperate for you to get the ball forward quick. Um, but players wise mate like Kevin Thompson is ridiculous what a player mm-hmm. we used to do uh, Paul Hartley's got a great drill he does with a big uh, skinny skinny box he used to call it everyone's in it and there'd be like three bounce players in the middle and then be three boys chasing and Tom was sensational at it yeah. so the wee things that, again mate never once does a cry for a step over or pings the ball 30, 40 yards but just the simple things were done to the best mate like a passing drill everyone was, was crisp to feet the way he received it, they simple things, mate. And that's again a top player. Gary Harkins was really good. Uh, oh, yeah. clashed a couple of times, mm. probably because Jeeves isn't the hardest work in the world. <laughs> what he would give you, mate, is some of the things you could do with a ball were unbelievable. Paul McGowan, what a player. Should have played higher for me. Could have played the championship in England. Easy. Mm. Um, and again, mate, it was similar in my Swindon dressing room. It was boys similar age, great dressing room, loved it. Like, and the Kevin McBride guys like David Clarkson guys that had been there and done it James McPake um, Paul McGinn great lad uh, Willie Dyer was there really good guy um, and uh, who was up front Greg Stewart what a player what a player mate Greg, Greg was probably the best player like Tomo Tomo never played as much because he was injured quite a bit but every day in training like you would Greg Stewart would do something every day in training that you would go wow Every day he would nutmeg you. He was guaranteed nutmeg me every every session there. Could you tell the end that he was he was gonna he's he's got his big move quite late now at Rangers? Could you could you tell that he was gonna get a move like that in the future? Well, see when I, we 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 trained the first couple of days and uh, I think Greg maybe played wider. Sort of, yeah. I don't know where he played in training, but uh, we were popping the ball about and I remember saying to Hartley like, "Standard's brilliant, man." He's like, that. Yeah. Really, and I was like, "Who's gonna score? Who's gonna score?" Though I didn't know Greg. He was at Cowden Beath. I'd been doing mm-hmm. south. Never really followed, and he went. Oh, the boy Stuart will score like, like Paul Hartley had that belief in him 
fair play to Paul Harvey, man. Seen it straight away, he said, no, the boy Stuart will, boy Stuart will be a player, man. He'll, he'll score goals. And With Greg the, um, was... Sorry, when you go. And Greg was sensational, mate. Like, you could tell he was... Uh, we finished sixth that year, and you could tell he was... Um, you could play you could play higher. So you could tell that he could go and play for... I always thought he'd go and play for like Hibs or uh, an Aberdeen. But no surprise that Greg can uh, Greg's good enough to go and play for Rangers, mate, definitely. And Aye. a great as well, total great guy, Greg. Lovely. And would uh, Kane Hemmings have been been there at the same time as well? Kane Kane came as well and Kane Kane had done really well as well. Um, another one that's a, a great lad, mate, like a great dressing room. Um but we 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 would go Hungary was it pre- uh, Hungary or something pre-season and uh, what a laugh we got me honestly like, a really good set of boys uh, even guys like Kevin Thompson who play for Rangers mate like their airs or graces about him no above anybody total uh, mixed, everyone mixed together it was just a, a good set of boys Paul McGowan mate like he's a screwball <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how Cammy Kerr still playing football mate <laughs> Cammy Kerr must be the strongest um, the strongest mentality of all time to terrorise him for the first <laughs> in the last minute he would just scream at him man <laughs> what a guy and then uh, again a couple of injury problems with Dundee especially in that second season kind of halted your progress uh, and then your contract was mutually terminated in August did you ever think at that point that that, that would be you you'd be done you'd stop playing football or were you determined that you'd, you'd go back to it no 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 I was done mate totally done oh, really? uh, so I had to cut offers to go on trial with I think Millwall because Neil Harris who uh, I played against in the playoff final. He, I always used to play at the setter for Swind and he'd always play up front for Millwall. So he was kind of sitting on me and I was kind of sitting on him and I'd always do all right against him. So yeah. I think he got a Millwall job and said about us going down on trial and Shrewsbury offered us to go down on trial. But I had two kids, mate. My missus head had gone to England. Like, mm. she, the uh, bad sister, we're going, we're going back to England. Would have been divorced, you know what I mean? So um, I, I knew that I didn't want to play. I knew that I wouldn't get a full time team in Scotland, uh, a Premier League team in Scotland. Because nobody knows up here. I was doing south, done all right doing south, but the year I was at Dundee, obviously, I'd never done well. So I knew that nobody would, would take us. So I wasn't going to go to the championship, mate, because I wasn't the one to go full time on money that I could get part time, if I'm being totally honest with you. So yeah. Cammy Kerr was actually on loan at Peterhead at the time, and I used to say to him, like, I was having a talk at Dundee. I, I knew all this, mate. This was all going through my head that I wouldn't get another team. So I used to say to Cammy, say to Jim that I'll come and play for him next year see what he says and uh, I phoned Jim and he's like you're off your nut man he's like why do you want to come why do you want to come here and I actually just wanted to enjoy it I knew I'd enjoy yeah. it I knew I would I knew that Jim would tell us it like it is similar to Canio like Jim at 15 mate Jim would tell me if I was terrible like he would say no good enough so I knew that he would do it now uh, if you do well he'll tell you and that's what I wanted mate I need a manager that, that's honest with um, went for a couple of sessions loved it eh? absolutely loved it good laugh and um, had some good players, mate. I'm good, good, good players. So, Jim says, in fact, mate, Jim actually, because I was injured all the time, Jim was like, can I give you money that the other boys get me? Because, might not play. Like, this is not, it's not like I've got a big, massive budget where I can just give you money and you yeah. get injured and it doesn't mean anything. So, it's not like Dundee. So, I think I, I was on, I can't remember what it was exactly, but to make my money up, I had to play. So, it was, a, it was basically appearance space, mate. And, uh, I know it was a big risk, mate. Honestly, like so it's like a kind of non-contract agreement. It's just all heavily like weighted on the appearance fees. 
I think it was like a basic I bought a two hundred quid and then to make up the rest of my money I had to play. Um wow. and that was scary me. Like, I, I always say this and I say this to kids as well. I've finished sixth in League One with Swindon playing every game. Done <laughs> really well, mate. Like put myself doing quite a bit, but I done really well that year. Uh one league two the year before, played every game, fifty five games or something it was that year. And two years later, mate, I was playing I was getting offered two hundred quid to play part time. Wow. Scary, mate. Scary. I actually remember driving him to get <laughs> What has happened, man? What's happened? And and the worst thing was, mate, because of that, because I wasn't on a lot of money, I had to go and get a night shift job in the, the Royal Mail. I didn't Did drive. Really? I, I didn't I drive, mate, so I stayed in steps. And uh, the Royal Mail job was at 12 at night in Springburn, mate. Do you know Springburn, eh? Uh, just, just north of Glasgow, eh? Right? Yeah, kind of in, in Glasgow. So I would, I would, I would leave my house at eleven o'clock at night, mate, and walk to walk to work in Springburn and see that walk. Yeah, so you'd walk from Steps to Springburn. Walk. So you you walk through Proven Mill, past St Rocks uh-huh. ground, and then you just go straight over, and then it's the Royal Mill there. <laughs> see some of the conversations that I had myself on on their walks, man. I was like, see Dennis Shift, never worked before in my life. Eh? See Dennis Shift, that I was like, wow, wow, it's <laughs> scary to me, because. It was a night shift, mate. I couldn't really go to the gym or that. So, uh-huh. my fitness in me, I used to run back, run him after my shift. Six in the morning, shattered, run up the road, go for a sleep, and then obviously train train one night a week at Peterhead and then play on a Saturday. But that's what I'm, any kid, man, like, who, mm-hmm. honestly, man, then I let it pass you by because, see, man, it hurts you, mate. I could see why, I could see why uh, boys suffer from mental health and that, mate. Because see uh-huh. when that first happens after it, you cannot believe it. It's a pure surreal, man. The worry that goes through your head is unbelievable. Um, then thankfully, open goal came up, mate, and that kind of saved us, man. <laughs> and then, well, on on Peterhead, that first season at Peterhead, you get to the, the Petrol Fat Cup final. You're playing Rangers of all teams. Probably the only chance you're going to ever get to play them um, with Peterhead again. Just how, how good were that Rangers team in, in the championship that season as a Peterhead player? We 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 honestly thought we had a chance, mate. We, we were uh-huh. really good that year. We we um we should have went up that year. I think Air got promoted. We we beat Air quite a lot that year. And Stranar were the final. We beat Stranar more times than they beat us. But we fell away at the end of the season. Probably the Petra factor was a hindrance to us, mate. Because maybe more games. Yeah. and no, maybe playing as well as they don't really concentrate on the league as much. Because when you're playing with Peterhead, mate, you're, you're going to play Rangers at hand. Takes uh-huh. all your thoughts. You know what I mean? <laughs> But we actually thought we had a we had a chance, eh? And then you play them, mate, and they were they were top that, that, that year. They were really good, mate. But I've played a lot of teams, but that that day they were they were outstanding, eh? But the, the funny thing is, what this is a funny story because Jim slaughtered us after the game, eh? Slaughtered us. Like he's like, I don't mind losing, but he's a miles off them. Didn't yeah. even kick them. Didn't get close to them. And I was I actually I think I put my hand up in the dressing room. And I went, Gaffer, they're they're unbelievable. They were brilliant. I was like, maybe it didn't look like it for the side, but we couldn't get near them because we weren't trying. They were brilliant. They had a certain way of playing, mate, where Kenny Miller would drop in, Barry McKay would run in behind, and it, it was like a, move, a total movement that they had, mate. We were like, didn't know where to go. So he's like, nah, I'm not having that side, nowhere near good enough. And the best thing that ever happened for us as players was, I think they beat Celtic the next week. Oh, and then the Scottish Cup. I don't know what, what if it was a Scottish Cup maybe, and I texted him actually during the game, and I went, "Surely you're going to take it back, yeah." Yeah. 
and he was like, ah, right, fair play. <laughs> um, no, they were good that year under Warburton. Like, the way they passed the ball about and that was, was, was sensational. Mate. It was one of the hardest games I've ever had. To, to barely touched the ball. Anyway, the big break comes uh, about three years ago entered the world of uh, football media with Open Goal Sport as the host of their new football show. How did Open Goal actually start? And were you all we always involved from the very, very beginning? I've been involved from the very beginning, mate. So mm. my mate's um, an advertisement, he was in marketing and he phoned me and he was like, ah, um, what are you doing for a job? And I was like, ah, oh, mate. I remember I was sitting in the soft play with my, my kids were playing and I was again probably one of the chats with myself saying what's happened what's going and, on uh, yeah he said um, he says listen uh, don't know if you've ever heard a podcast and I was like ah mate you can't on close or no like, do you know <laughs> uh, it's going to be massive man he's like ah, I've got an idea are you interviewing football players and um and putting it out to like YouTube. I was like, how does that even work, man? Like, and he's like, YouTube. And he says, come and meet come and meet us next week. So I went and met him. He had it all planned out. Like, he's brilliant, mate. Had it all <laughs> planned out. And, um, and I went like, why no, man? Like, what? Get a bash, innit? Like, he went, have you got four guys that you can think will be brilliant on an interview? Like, mates. And I was like, eh. I went, Big Charlie Mulgrew first. And he, he pure screwed his face up. And I was like, what? He went, Big Charlie's terrible. He's terrible in front of the media. And I was like, no. <laughs> so that's when I kind of I thought, this could work, man. Because see if everyone hates Charlie's doing that. Like, couldn't it be any more wrong, eh? Uh-huh. And then obviously, I think it was Kevin Thompson, who I was really close with, Dundee, mm-hmm. and uh, Dan O'Day and Charlie Adam. But it's funny because Tom, I used to sit next to Tom in the dressing room and Jason Craig, and uh, I used to batter them with questions, eh? And I used to say, like, Mate, I've never met anybody that asks as many questions as you. So kind of when they said about me doing it and thinking back to what Tom and Kevin Thompson first. Remember coming back in the car and the boy I did with was like, uh, mate, this is gonna be this is gonna work, man. He's never ever seen like a football player talk like that. And how no, that I, yeah, I remember so. watching the, the the Kevin Thompson one. I seen it come up in Twitter or something, I'd never heard of it. I was like, watch this, but it, it's the fact that it was completely different. It wasn't like a normal your standard football interview or how was the game today? Are you going to kick on next week? It was just, it's just like watching two pals have a chat down the pub about football and that's, that's what makes it so successful. That was, okay. that was brilliant. So the thing is, so like, see if it wasn't for the four guys, like, it would never have worked to me. Like, they were uh-huh. sensational and uh, all the people that come on have made it, mate. So, mm-hmm. uh, now nah, the guys have been brilliant, mate. And, and see, since I've on it, like, best job in the world, mate. I absolutely love it. Eh? Like, getting right. to talk about football and having a laugh and, Get into the stories, mate. Like, I sit and buzz off the stories, mate. Like, I genuinely... <laughs> my, my mates say this as well. Like, see, when I was at Swindon and I'd come back up the road for a night out, all they would want to know, we wouldn't have talked about anything else. They just want football stories, eh? Aye. Want stories about the cario. And uh, because of that as well, when my mate said, I was like, ah, this will work, man. See if you can get good football stories. People love them. It's the best. Like, they're, they're the best stories. Like, And yeah, you're, honestly, see, when I first <laughs> it, I was hopeless. Like, see, when I, I never watched them, eh, but... I think a couple of months ago I maybe watched uh, one of the Tom maybe it was Tom's one and how bad I was at it like unbelievable like, oh really <laughs> I'm gonna go and watch it back <laughs> you're you're relaxed and chilled mate like let me speak I just kept buttoning in front <laughs> and then you know mad noise I still didn't I mean I can't help it but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was horrible to watch back but you're good mate oh, keep, cheers I'm, oh, Jay, you can take my job when you retire 
when when you and Slaney are back playing for Celtic next season for ten in a row, I'll take your job, right? That's what you need to get me. You need to get yourself a Slaney. Find <laughs> a Slaney and you'll be successful. I uh, just about to ask you about Slaney. How were you first introduced to Slaney and Kev? For those who don't know, Paul Slaney and Kevin Kyle, ex-professional footballers and um, regular guests on the Open Goal. What did you just call Slaney there? Uh, an ex-professional footballer, but... <laughs> 34 games, that's not, that's not an ex-professional footballer. Yeah, as many as that. You never got 34, no chance. <laughs> I, I got 34, mate. Uh, uh, obviously, you were talking about that year I went to Swindon on loan. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting and uh, Paul Caddis texts me and he's like, mate, you need to beat this guy. That <laughs> he's like, you, you'll love him, man. He's a total screwball. And uh, so I came back to Swindon in fact, I was actually speaking to Slaney when I was like, how you doing, mate? And he's like, I says, how you doing, mate? You enjoying it? And he went, absolutely not. Totally out of my depth, shouldn't be here. And I was like, I, t- I, start- I started killing myself laughing. And I was like, who cares, man? Like, just, we're all hopeless. Just get on with it, man. And then I was like, do you want to come up for breakfast? And he went, no, no, no. I'm just going to go and sit in the toilet and lock the door till two. <laughs> and then... Obviously, I was one for like a couple of weeks, man. It was just so funny, man, in the dressing room. And um, and then we went to America that trip. And when we came back to America, all the young boys had to go straight to America to play Lincoln. Chris Sutton had just got the Lincoln job. And um, all, the, all, the, all the big names could go home, but we had to go to Lincoln. And uh, some of the young boys were coming up to down south. And Slaney was one of them. And I just remember before the game, do you know, what, do you know that talk Tony Mowbray had to me in Australia? Oh, when was that? About carrying on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you always do? I, I, I. I actually wanted to go over and just keep slain in the exact same talk. <laughs> I made this thing back to it. And uh, to be fair, he played that day and he got a terrible injury and that's what that's what I ended up doing him in that Lincoln game. I think he'd done his cruise ship. And uh, shame, mate, because you could tell he was a good player. Aye, aye. And uh, so I'd done up and go. Uh, I says to the boy, I said... Uh, I know somebody that'll be amazing at this, man. <laughs> we guy Paul Slane, and he, he was like, I might, because of all the stuff that attacked me, might, maybe a wee bit too soon to bring him in straight away. Mm-hmm. Maybe once we're, we're kind of established, then we can get him in. So, I think after maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, um, we were like, right, let's let's get him in for a podcast, man. And he just took over, took over since then. Can I get rid of him? Uh, what big Kev? Was that just when you done done the interview with Kev? Is that when? Sorry, mate. Hey. Is that just just when you used to collect when you done that first interview with Kev? Is that when when he got on board? See, but see, with this mate, you try to get people to do it, especially at the start. It was tough, man. Oh, really? I've grafted, man. I'm telling you, like, this is why my face looks like it does. <laughs> try to get people to do it. Like we were going. I remember some Mondays were coming up. And it was like Wednesday. We never had anybody to go. Monday, and I'm thinking, this is done. Like we're done. I can't think of anybody else to do an interview. This, this could be it finish, man. And I phoned Tony Watt up and I was like, he just came back for something. I'd only met Tony a couple of times. I was like, Tony, can you come and do an interview, please, mate? And again, footballers get a bad name, mate. But do you know what you find with most of them? That they'll do it, do it in for you. Good mm. guy. Honestly, the majority are good guy. Tony's like, ah, not a problem, man. Done him on the Thursday. Put his out on the Monday. And his was massive, man. Like, you got His viewing figures were, were amazing. And I think we kind of got a couple more off the back of that as well. So, with Kev, uh, I'm always like always looking for an opportunity to ask people to date me because you, you need as I say we do one a one a week it's tough man I get people mm. so I was at my probably similar story mate never had any for the the Monday 
and I was at my wee boy doing a soccer camp up at Clyde, and uh, it was a Tuesday, I think it was, an, I was thinking, I'm sure that's that Kevin Kyle, man. But I just brass necked it. Oh, because he's, he's, he's from, he stays in Cumbernauld now, doesn't he? Cumbernauld. Aye, aye. I mean, I just brass necked Went up to him and I said, big man, I, I did a show, like, could you come and do an interview for us, please? Uh-huh. And he was like that, nah, he says, nah, 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 he says, nah, nah. <laughs> I hate the media, eh? like, totally. He'd been hung out to dry all the stuff on the front page. After what happened at Rangers, he slaughtered, man, it was, it was brutal. But I, don't, I said to him, well, didn't I say no now? I said, go and watch a couple, because we're not like that, man. We want to show the good side of what you've done, funny stories, talk, talk you up. And uh, and he was like, ah, listen, nah, I'll no be doing it, eh? He said, just no for me. And then, I don't know how, I think it was maybe Facebook or something, but he messaged me like, <laughs> I've just watched like I just watched five year interviews, man. He's like, I love them. He's like, right, I'll do it. And then Kev that came on. Kev was one of my favourite interviews, mate. Absolutely. Oh, it's, a, it's a really good one. A really good one, eh? Just because like the ups and downs of his full uh, life, eh? And um, and then we got him on a podcast and just tells it like it is, Kev. Like, mm. no worried about what people think about him or no upsetting people. So just thought Kev would be good for it, man. And then there was a good balance between him and Slay. I think they met. I think. We, I think <laughs> Kev wasn't meant to be dead. Slaney wasn't meant to be dead. It was only Kev that was meant to be on that day. And I, me and my mate says, we'll just chuck them on together, man. Do the two of them together. And they were pure, you could see them bouncing off each other. Like, so since then, mate, it's happened and just kind of stuck with it. And talking about guests we've had on, uh, had on the show, my, this is a question from my brother. My brother really wants to know if he can make a five-a-side team right. uh, in positions of guests that you've had on the show, who makes a five-a-side team? Oof, that's a good question, man. Uh-huh. So, defence would probably need to be Andy Robertson, aren't Uh huh, aye, definitely. Uh, goalie would be. Uh, what goalie have I had? David Marshall, no? Uh, big Marshall, stick big Marshall. Marshall. Uh-huh. He's Scotland number one, isn't he? He was. <laughs> don't quiz me, I don't know if he still is. He's still yeah, in the squad. He's definitely still in the squad, but I don't know if. Um, McLaughlin, that's it. Sunderland's taking over yet or not? No, he can't take over. He's... <laughs> uh, so we'll go marching goals. Uh, Andy Robertson at the back. Uh-huh. The midfield, we'll go Barry Ferguson. Great player. And we'll go... Oh, my hero, mate, who's, who's on next week, Paul. I'm not... What a player. Oh, i seen that. i seen that on Twitter today. Champions League winner. Yeah, wow. what? See him up close, mate, in training. Wow, what a player, man. And then up front with... Uh, Who you got up front? I've got, my, I've got mine in my head. It has to be, man. Who, who are you saying? Ali McCoyst. Uh, McCoyst, mate. I don't, but McCoyst's a goal scorer, mate. I don't know if he's gained you much in five sides, is he? Uh, not these days, anyway. No chance. <laughs> no, in fact, scrap back. My hero's got up front. Uh, Frank McAvenny. Love him. Frank McAvenny. Lack of any up front. Right, you know what you're getting from, didn't you? It's going to be a great night out. Okay. <laughs> and then, also want to ask, what's been the, the most memorable experience you've had from doing from doing Open Goal? Uh, the best day I've had doing Open Goal was uh, interviewed Ali McCoyst and Gordon Strachan on the same day. Is uh, that with William Hill, that one? Nah, with William Hill. Oh. So, we're on the room, we're on the room. Like, Strachan, I think McCoyst went through, McCoyst went first. Strachan sat through his... And then Stratton went, McCoy sat for his. But before both interviews, we were all sitting getting a laugh. And then after yeah. it, like just 
two massive names, mate. Just couldn't have been any nicer, man. I'd never met Ali McCoy before, eh? and uh, I'd never hear a bad word said about him. Honestly, he a total gentleman. Honestly, just wants a laugh all the time. He's interested. It's not one of these guys, mate, just talks about himself. He's pure interested in how you're doing. Aye. And he was just, that day, mate, I absolutely loved it. I remember th- driving him, thinking, like, this is amazing, man. Love doing this. Uh, Strachan was obviously my manager as well, so it's good to see him again. So uh, that was probably my favourite day, didn't it? And then you obviously have, like, so many big names come on and stuff, people that have achieved so much in football. But do you ever actually get nervous before an interview? Do you know what, mate? See, at the start, I used to get really nervous, eh? Yeah. Uh, I used to get really, really nervous, man. Um, I don't know when the stage was that I kind of stopped. I can't really remember. Pro- do you know what? Do you know when I stopped getting nervous, mate? See, after I'd done Gordon Stratton? Uh. Because, see, I was nervous doing him. Obviously, he was my manager, and he, you know what he's like, man. He can cut you down and work. <laughs> I know. I think he maybe said a couple of things to us, and... I just thought, oh, if I could deal with, if I could do Gordon Strachan, man, I could do any day. So probably, and McCoy's as well, like, that, I was, I say it was the best day, but so nervous, mate. I remember driving up to Ham thinking, wow, man. Then, that's all I did today too, mate, because how relaxed they made me feel before it as well. So that helped massively. But after I'd done they two, um, nah, I was nervous doing Lambo, Paul Lambert, because he was like my favourite player coming through at Celtic. Uh-huh. But the podcast, like, didn't I get nervous with that at all, mate? I actually, <laughs> I suppose you know if anyone's going to make a mess, it'll be Slaney and not you, so... I certainly see when you know this. It could be worse then, it's fine, isn't it? Right. right, just final two questions. I know there, I know I've kept you well over time, apologies. But, uh, you've had a very successful career, both uh, on the field and now off the field as well. Can you give any advice to any young players looking to come through um, or any aspiring um, media stars as well? Uh, I've said it a couple of times, like, but prepare properly, man. Like, mm. it's the important thing. You've obviously done the colour coding. That's, <laughs> like, that's miles better. Mind is like a dog. <laughs> Honestly, mate, like mind is a dog dinner. But um, nah, like you say, mate, well prepared. You can tell you've prepared. Like you're doing it pro- Just do your job properly, mate. Like, yeah. see if you want to be successful. Just do the right things. It's like very few people do well with. That didn't prepare, that didn't live properly for what you're doing. If you're going to be a football player, be a football player. <laughs> then a joke about it. Actually, do it. Like, live your life properly. Listen to what people are good people are telling you. And uh, give, your, give yourself the best possible chance. It's like this. Like, I use the negatives for my football career for this. Like, I'll never turn up to an interview underprepared. Speak to every single person that I can about the person that I've got coming on. Try and find out. There's nothing better, mate, than having as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I get, I get the questions. And then try and try and be a bit different. So I'd like try and add as many funny wee bits as you can here and there, and um, and enjoy it as well, mate. Like you need to enjoy it, man. See if you stop enjoying it, then stop doing it because I think people can tell if you're enjoying it or not. And and the big thing as well for both, mate. And Tommy Burns has always said to to, to me. The kind of was the same enthusiasm, mate. Like natural enthusiasm. Didn't turn up and go through the motions of whatever you do. You're privileged to be working in football, is what I've always been taught, mate. So right. do everything you can to, to to do it for as long as you can. Ah, brilliant. That's brilliant advice for everyone. And then finally, uh, you talked about some negatives in your career there. So do you, do you ever have any regrets as a player or anything about anything in your life you would like to you, you would have liked to have changed? 
Oh, mate, I've got hundreds of grits. <laughs> I do, like, see whether sometimes I sit and listen to things that I've said that I've done and I think, what, what were you thinking, man? Mm. But that's that's the person you are, mate. Matt Richard, he, he explained it brilliantly, like I said to him, because Matty said I was always trying to get him go for a drink and have a laugh, and Matty was like, nah, i never done it. And I went, Look at where he is now. Look at where he is now. Wow. But he makes a great point, mate, because I said to him, I wish I'd done that, and he went, but that's not the person you are. Mm. You're never going to be like that. You're just the person that you are. And as I say, I regret not doing it, but ultimately that's that's who I am, mate. And that's why I'm probably better suited to doing this than I was to go and play at a high level of football. So everything that's meant to be for you will probably happen, mate. Do you know what I mean? If you're meant to be on open goal, you're going to be on open goal. If you're meant to go and play for Newcastle, then you're going to go and play for Newcastle. It's just life, isn't it? Well, that concludes today's interview. Thanks very much to our interviewer Adam Benny and our interviewee Sai Ferry for a great chat about Sai's career as a professional footballer and his new role in the world of football media. If you've enjoyed this episode then feel free to check out more of them right here on Spotify or why don't you head over to our YouTube channel Youth Football Scotland TV for some more content over there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more interviews, podcasts and other content coming soon.